Boom Boom, a fortnightly podcast about stealth video games. On every episode, we go in-depth and all spoilery on one specific game and discuss whether said game stealth and its Boom Boom are up to snuff. My name is Colm O'Hearn and joining me on this episode is a man who, like Mike Clarence, he lives inside my head. It's Adam Carroll. Good evening. And another man who, unlike Red, needn't be set ablaze in an incinerator because he's hot enough already. It's Josh Woo-hoo. Wise. Hello, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. And all uh, th- those references will become clear to those who haven't played the games <laughs> as we progress through this podcast. But, lads, before we talk about the games we're going to be discussing today, of course, as has now become customary, we need to go back to a time period because today is the 21st of February, 2023, of course. Mm-hmm. But lads, I want you to go back a couple of years and a couple of days because let's see, I messed this up a little bit a fortnight ago. So let's see if I can get this right. If I press that and press that, let's try this. Tonight we're gonna party like it's February 12th, 2008. Did that work? <laughs> Bang Perfect. Him. Yeah, that was the best one. The best one so far. It's fair. I don't know why it's wobbly. Ooh. It's exciting, isn't it? <laughs> you really like this thing, don't you? <laughs> I really do. I really do. I'm going to drive that into the ground. Oh. But, uh, yeah, before we chat about the game, we need to get into the right headspace. Yep. So that means delving into what was happening in the world on February 12th, 2008, when... The second episode of the game we're talking about came out. We'll talk about all the episodic stuff and all that later. But on this day, we were just over a week removed from Amy Winehouse picking up five Grammys. Fair play to you, Amy. Mm. We were a day away from, a little bit more uh, serious, Uh, we were a day away from Australian Prime Minister Kevin Rudd making a historic apology to the Indigenous people of Australia. And slightly less serious, we were just two days away from Liam Gallagher and Nicole Appleton tying the knot at Westminster Registry Office in London. <laughs> and sadly, didn't work out for him. No. It, we, we all thought Oasis and All Saints together, this is the dream pairing. <laughs> mm. But no, it was a little bit more BDI. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, yeah, bit of a shame. Uh, a week earlier, the New York Giants beat the New England Patriots 17-14 to win the Super Bowl, ending a 17-year drought of course, I know, Josh, you were on the edge of your seat watching that at the time. <laughs> and Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers were the halftime show headliner. A concept I, st- I still yeah. wrestle with today, the halftime show thing in American sports. But, you know, so be and it. And Tom Petty as well in 2008. He Tom Petty feels very 90s to me. A bit, you know, fair play to him. Did he do like a mix of the tunes? Because I know they do that anyway. But like, was it like... I won't back down, free falling. Yes, he did. He did. American Girl, I won't back down, free That's falling. That's a good tune. And running, That's a running good down tune. a dream. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, running down a dream is kind of classic American sports thing that gets played mm. loads of games. The kind of n- nostalgia act, I suppose, mm. like gets rolled out every now and again. 
Petty wasn't topping the charts, though. In America, the man... <laughs> these number ones are outstanding. Uh, because even though it is 15 years ago, it might as well be 50 years ago. Uh, because in America, Florida, featuring T-Pain, oh topped the singles charts with Low. Yes, oh the Low God. as in apple bottom jeans, boots with oh the fur. With the fur. <laughs> is that what that song was called? <laughs> It was called low. Well, I mean, they did say low quite they a lot. Did, you remember? Yeah, they said low, low, low. <laughs> they said low an awful lot. However, in the UK, not they weren't topping the charts in the UK. In the UK, again, another 2008 banger. We had Bass Hunter with Now You're Gone. Oh my God. What an, what an age. What an age it was to be alive. <laughs> Golden era in music. And also the, the thing when researching this that I found the most surprising was that it was Bass Hunter featuring somebody else and the name of this person featuring DJ Mental Theo. <laughs> Mental Theo. Correct. Yeah. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> right. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, different different time. Different time. Very, very different time. Different time. In the movies, then, I don't know if you were taking a pint of milk to go see these in the picture house, Adam, as we mm-hmm. learned about you and Titanic, but <laughs> Fool's Gold was number one in the US. Fool's Gold? I don't even remember that. What was that? Fool's oh, Gold. Oh, Matthew McConaughey. I was just thinking Matthew McConaughey. And Kate Hudson. Yeah. Jesus, I'm just looking at it here, lads. 11% of Rotten Tomatoes. Poof. Oof. It was before the reconnaissance, which was like two years after that. In the UK, though, they were watching National Treasure Book of Secrets. <laughs> oh, man. I only watched it two weeks ago for the first time. It's all right, those movies. They're, they're kind of good fun, you know? I like Book of Secrets. It's kind of insane. Like, he kidnaps the president. Yeah. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it does. As somebody who hasn't seen a single second of National Treasure, he kidnaps the president. Nicholas Cage, like, like obviously it has the Indiana Jones thing going on, like, but in the second one, he actually, like, they're trying to get this, like, thing, and uh, he just turns around out of nowhere and drops the line, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to kidnap the president. <laughs> and everyone's like, what? And, yeah, he goes off to do it, and... um it's uh, it's actually it's pretty fun. It's a pretty fun show. It kind of kind of works within the movie somehow. I don't know how it does, but it but it but it's the TV show just landed as well. Well, it landed it landed about two months ago. I don't <laughs> it did land two months ago, Colin. Very good. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, uh, I think that's enough chat. We're all in the headspace now of mid February two thousand and eight. So let's talk about the game that we're going to be discussing today with something we like to call Back of the Box. So, the game we're talking about today is in fact three games, kind of, Mm. because (laughs) you can, like, download them individually on Steam. They are, you can buy them individually, but they are telling the one story, the story of Penumbra. Uh, But you have, first episode is called Penumbra Overture, Second episode is called Penumbra Black Plague, and the third episode is called Penumbra Requiem, or third episode slash add-on. Yeah, and we're actually we're actually gonna we're gonna talk about that in a bit as well. But what is Penumbra for those of you who maybe didn't play along at home? To break it down in sentence, it's a first-person horror game that, as I've referenced, is split up into individual episodes that were released a little bit apart, with adventure game-like puzzles and a protagonist. That is weak as piss. 
basically. Mm. And I know we're going to talk about the combat <laughs> later, so I'll, I'll leave you, I'll dangle that little carrot. As I mentioned, <laughs> they all came out at different times, all just on the PC and never made the jump to any other platform. Odd, I find, especially after the success yeah. of this, deve- this developer's later games. But Penumbra Overture, released on the 30th of March 2007. Penumbra Black Plague came out on the 12th of February 2008 in uh, North America and three days later in Europe. And then Penumbra Requiem came out on the 27th of August 2008. So like nearly 12 month gap between episode one and episode two. And then only, what's that, four or five months between the second episode and the third episode slash add-on little free kind of DLC bit often I, I what we're probably going to run into with some of the games we talk about on this podcast when they are say just released on Steam or just released on digital I will have nothing for this next bit which is normally where I tell you what's on the back of the physical box oh, yeah. however however Penumbra was successful enough that they released it on retail uh, in, in a collection called the Penumbra Collection. Very inventive. <laughs> oh, very nice. And on the back of that box, you get this text, Enter the world of Philip Buchanan. <laughs> Murder, a forgotten past and madness await. Navigate <laughs> harrowing environments filled with challenging puzzles, realistic physics and twisted enemies. <laughs> I'm happy enough with that. You pick that up, you read it, you go, all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I've got a handle on what this is. I can't remember off the top of my head what Remothered was, but it was it was far too vague for my liking. <laughs> you know, tell me what this is, please. Yeah, this is classic blurb. Yeah, I'm making a purchasing mm. decision. I need to know, for God's sake. Yeah, and we get the guys, it's, you get the full, the full name as well. I think in the game, he's it, just called Philip, right? Like, we don't get Buchanan's news to me. Or is, that, or is that I believe Buchanan is like uh, to be honest with you I'm trying to separate but the research I did for it but also with me playing the game and I don't think Buchanan comes up in the game huh. yeah. I don't mm. think so Fair enough. while we're talking about it let me try and give you the synopsis of the story because we're mentioning this Philip Buchanan character maybe there are some listeners going who the hell is Philip Buchanan <laughs> well let me try and tell you because, you know, it's very up and down. It goes a lot of places, but I'm going to try and condense this down as best as possible. It's not, uh, or it's going to be a little bit harder than Tenshu. So, (laughs) at his mother's funeral, regular adult man, Philip Buchanan, gets a letter from his estranged dad, who Philip thought had been dead for 30 years. Bit of a bombshell and a heavy day for Phil. But, you know, we, we, we power through. Uh, the letter tells Philip to destroy some documents that are being held at a bank in London. Philip doesn't destroy these documents, however. Uh, long story short, he ends up going to an abandoned mine in Greenland to investigate what his father was up to. Once inside the mine, he comes across some deadly spiders, zombie dogs, giant man-eating worms. Philip realises he probably needs to try and get out of this mine that he's found himself in. It also turns out that this place is sort of a breeding ground for a virus of sorts, which the second episode goes into further. Anyway, at this point, Phil is contacted on the radio by someone called Red, 
uh, Red becomes a walkie-talkie companion for a while until you meet him at the aforementioned incinerator during the intros. <laughs> Red then tells Philip to set him ablaze. Uh, Philip obliges. That's overture. Then, at the beginning of Black Plague, episode two, Philip realises he's been infected with the virus that was being researched at this place. But, and this is quite nice for the player, Philip's virus manifests itself in a charismatic and chatty voice inside his head, Clarence. Episode 2 reveals a secret society by the name of Ar- the Archaic Elevated Cast. Incredible name. Uh, and they are the ones that have been trying to figure out this virus, the Turngate virus. Uh, by the time Phil gets there, most of those scientists are either dead or they're bollock naked zombies patrolling <laughs> the halls. One that hasn't been infected is Amabel Swanson, who tries to help Philip by directing him through the facility. Anyway, Philip ends up killing Amabel because Clarence forced him to hallucinate a zombie. I know we're going to talk about that later. I'll just wrap it up. Philip gets Clarence out of his head by concocting a chemical mixture. Then the hive mind of the Turngate talk to Philip about how humans are a bit shit, but Philip seems cool. And then Philip says, cheers, but I'm definitely not going to keep this secret. <laughs> Penumbra Requiem doesn't have much bearing on the game apart from the ending because it's implied that it all takes place in Philip's head but anyway at the end of Requiem there are two possible endings Philip can either die at the end of Black Plague or he can leave the facility the majority of the story takes place in and by majority I mean like like 95% of the story takes place in episode 1 and episode 2 mm. and that's that's pretty much it mm. the developer of this one Frictional Games uh, one of the most celebrated horror developers out there these days. But at this point, Friction was only a baby, mm. really. In fact, the Swedish studio was founded on the 1st of January 2007, only around three months before the release of Penumbra Overture. But we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves because Penumbra Overture started life as a tech demo to show off the engine that Frictional Games had made prior to them becoming, you know, an established company. Uh, That engine being the HPL engine. This tech demo, which was released in June 2006, amassed a lot of downloads by the time Overture was announced. Like hundreds of thousands of downloads a lot. And Overture garnered acclaim after its release, so Frictional, of course, went on to create the second episode of the planned trilogy, Black Plague, as well as the expansion, Requiem. They'd obviously go on to create the Amnesia series, the latest of which is scheduled to come out in about a month or something like that, unless that changes between us recording this and releasing it. A story for another time, because we're probably going to talk about this developer at a later date, maybe on other uh, episodes. So that's Frictional Games' story up to this point. The publisher is a different story. The publisher is a mystery. There's a lot of mystery in Penumbra, but the mystery of the publisher is something I sadly wasn't able to get to the bottom of. Okay? Hmm. So, the publisher of Overture was Lexicon Entertainment. Hmm. The publisher of Black Plague and Requiem was Paradox Interactive. Hmm. Now, the Lexicon are a now-defunct UK company. And I've tried to find out why you had that separation there. But all I can find are a bunch of very vague references here and there. Because in July 2008, the lead writer on Penumbra, Tom Joubert, 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 something along those lines. I apologise, Tom. (laughs) Um, But they spoke to RPS in July 2008 in an interview. And they were asked what was happened because 
the game was initially meant to be a trilogy then they shrunk the second and third parts down into Black Plague and then released the expansion Requiem anyway Jubert said this when asked what happened with Penumbra they said quote Frictional had some problems with the publisher that is not really my place to go into put it this way if Lexicon Entertainment ever offers you a publishing deal turn them down then give the guy a slap (laughs) after the issues with Overture even the second game was 50-50 after preliminary plotting I ducked out for a good few months while things got sorted out and when I came back Paradox had ridden in on a white horse to save the day and finance the sequel and uh, that's all I've been able to find is little allusions to something happened, but I haven't been able to figure out what that something is. Something quite dramatic as well. Wants to slap him. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, the publisher of the second and third episodes uh, is a name that a lot of listeners will probably be familiar with as opposed to Lexicon Paradox Interactive. They started life as the video game division of a board games company in Sweden. And said company closed up shop in the late 90s, which then led Paradox to establishing itself as its own entity in 1999. And while they've diversified a little in recent years, in the first nine years of its life up to this point, it was really planting its grand strategy flag in the ground with releases like Crusader Kings, Europa Universalis, Victoria. So like Penumbra was a little bit different for them. You know, really mm. at this point when they were going for the, the grand strategy market. But yeah, that, that note about the switching developers or switching publishers, I'd love to know what that is. Yeah. But I, I apologize, I'm not able to tell you. Uh, something else I'm not able to tell you is the sales. I have no idea. Steam Spy says that Overture had 200 to 500k downloading it and Black Plague the same. But... I, that's kind of the best I have. Hmm. I don't I don't really know. Uh, one thing I can tell you, though, is the critical reception. All on Metacritic, Penumbra Overture sits on 73, Penumbra Black Plague on 78, and Penumbra Requiem 67. That's Penumbra. So, do you know what? Let's take a very quick break, and then we'll come back with some chat of the press and the marketing leading up to this collection of games release. For my part in this allegory, I'm not going to make the same mistakes my father made. Howard vanished from my mother's life before I was even in it, so when he sent me a letter a few days after mum's funeral, it was the first I'd ever heard from him. Pity he was dead. His letter contained a key, instructions, pleas for forgiveness. I figured the dead don't have much use for absolution, so I turned to his prophetic passing, which he inexplicably expected to come any day. Clearly averse to explanations, my father preferred to leave directions to a bank on Mayfair I'd never even heard of. In that bank was a safety deposit box in his name, and myself as executor. Of course, I went as he knew I would. I discovered that despite the evidence, he'd been legally declared dead almost 30 years ago, and so the old book and collection of notes I found had, in the eyes of the law, been mine all this time. My father's instructions were to burn the documents, raise no further questions, but that was his error. No man's immune to the shameful trappings of curiosity and my humanity got the better of me. The notes showed a location somewhere in uninhabited northern Greenland. It took me almost a year to book the last flight I'd ever take. As I watched civilization disappear along with Heathrow, I realised my father had disappeared three decades ago, almost to the day, and I considered in turn what it was that I was leaving behind. So now let's chat about 
the yes, the marketing, the advertising, and what the press were saying about Penumbra prior to its release. I found a couple of articles and videos for us to watch before recording the podcast. The first thing I, and I, I suppose I should say, because we're talking about three different releases here, uh, these some of these videos, some of these interviews, some of these articles are from basically covering like a year, a year and a half period in some cases because it's around the, the different games releases. But this first one was an interview that Paradox Interactive, the publisher, did to advertise Penumbra Black Plague, the second episode. You had Thomas Grip, who's the co-founder and programmer, and Jens Nielsen, who uh, fellow co-founder and programmer. But Jens Nielsen, he, he, I think in this four, nearly five minute video, Jens Nielsen doesn't say anything <laughs> apart from introducing himself. <laughs> yeah, he mentions he works on audio, I think, and then ironically says very little, contributes very little audio. <laughs> I also want to very quickly note, right, I don't know if this is the case for you lads, we'll talk about this game and how it's just, how the scare factor is, but this interview contains... One of the most terrifying jump scares <laughs> that I like did not expect. Oh, and I, don't yeah, know if you remember. <laughs> I watched this with headphones on because the audio was a bit weird in it anyway. It's kind of a bit distorted. And they kind of briefly discussed like, oh, you know, what they were choosing in terms of the development of the, the horror side of it all. And there's this quick clip, this little slight clip. And the audio is so explosive. And it was disturbing and I actually couldn't concentrate for the rest of the interview afterwards. I was like, Jesus. Isn't it? Because it's the bit where he's like, oh, we don't, we don't, we try not to do like jump scares. Yeah, and this thing just explodes <laughs> just on the screen and you're just like, oh. Yeah, I, I actually, I I have that clip and I, I wanted to play that for the people at home because now uh, I edited out that jump scare because it's ludicrous <laughs> it's how loud ludicrous. it is and how... It's it's mad. But yeah, this is a, a clip of Thomas Grip, the co-founder and programmer, talking about basically the type of horror game the Frictional Games is striving for with Penumbra. And then he talks how Penumbra is first person, but not first person shooty bang bang. So have a have a listen to this. We really need to really want to make a horror game that's psychologically scary, not just monsters popping up from nowhere, boo scares, but rather we want to have this nasty feeling, a feeling of dread for the player. And that's really something that we have tried to focus on using sound and uh, music in the right way. The last thing that I think is really specific to Penumbra is that this is a real-time 3D first-person game that doesn't have much violence in it. Other games um, that are first-person are really about shooting stuff as the main gameplay element. But in Penumbra, the main gameplay element is exploring, examining your environment and solving puzzles. And when you see an enemy, the first thought is, I need to hide or I need to run if he sees you as well. The puzzle solving is not like, well, it's a horror game and you do puzzle solving. The puzzle solving is part of the horror so that you never feel outside of the game, but you're inside the game all the time when you're doing stuff you're interacting with your environment and at the same time you're doing a puzzle perhaps you're listening for spooky sounds to make sure there's not an enemy nearby I should have said and I apologise I forgot that there were some parts that I couldn't edit around because they were just they come up whilst 
Thomas Grip is speaking. But I, I thought that that was just an insight into what Friction were kind of striving for. Yeah, yeah. It's actually quite, it's funny how when you listen to, to, to him talking in that interview now, a lot of what he's saying seems very sort of basic. You know, you sort of, you sort of think, oh yeah, I, I get it. Yeah. But then I, it's easy to forget, I think, like how crazy influential Penumbra was because so much of what he's saying has, has found such a, a grip hold in, in what horror is now. It's just, it's yeah, it's kind of cool that you, like, you listen to the interview thinking, oh yeah, like what, what you know, what he's saying was pr- pretty much brand new at the time, I guess. Mm-hmm. There was also a couple of interviews that I was able to find. So they went hell for leather on the interview circuit with this. They did, so, I, I, I could have picked out even more but I wanted to try and pick out a couple that basically showed that had quotes that were slightly different here and there. So, and they're all from different, like these are spanning like three years, I think it is. So the first interview I sent on to you lads was a Q&A with Thomas Grip again uh, that GameSpot did. And this was posted on GameSpot on the 20th of October, 2006. So this is before Penumbra Overture. Mm. And again, this uh, I quote from Grip about how Penumbra differs from other horror games. Grip said, quote, The action in Penumbra Overture is very different from other games in the same genre. In games like Silent Hill and Resident Evil, the main character is often well-armed. However, in Penumbra, the player is essentially without any weapons. Instead, she or he has to rely on their wits and stealth to survive enemy encounters. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily agree with that statement personally. What? That it's games like Silent Hill and Resident Evil, whatever, like, you know, not having the same kind of like, I suppose, gameplay mechanic. Whereas that, like, it, it they kind of do, depending on, I suppose, if you ramp up to hard or whatever, like that, you know, because, like, in Resident Evil, in Silent Hill, you have to, you have barely any bullets. Yeah, you might have a shotgun, you might have a pistol, but, like. You have, you have a gun, though. Like, I, I think what he's saying is fair in that, like, in Penumbra, you, you never have a gun. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, you, you do have a weapon. Another interview done with IGN uh, in April 2008. Uh, I think this was with Grip again. It, I mean, it probably was. That man was incredibly busy. But yeah, this is two, almost a year and a half, two years after that other interview with GameSpot. And when asked what they think interested players um, when it comes to Penumbra, basically, why did people kind of get interested in this? This is so. This is two months after the release of Black Plague. Uh, Grip said, "Quote: I think initially we made it very clear that this was a student project. I think you get a lot of attention from how can a couple of students make their own 3D engine and create a game like this. I think that's initially the main area of interest." And also, there aren't that many horror games for computers. <laughs> Wild end statement, I feel. <laughs> yeah, that one. You <laughs> just waving that away at the end. Like, yeah, it's not and, that many and of also, them. And <laughs> also, fuck all horror games. <laughs> Don't. Uh, li- li- little bit mad. But yeah, that, that is something that I, because I, I knew it was brought up here, so I can left it out at the start, is that you have this real young up um or a startup that has has such a uh, like the amount of people working on these games is teeny tiny mm. another interview again with game reactor now this was for the penumbra collection so this was posted on the 11th of february 2009 what we have here is thomas grip who is uh he's asked what were the lessons the studio learned 
when they saw players get their hands on Penumbra. And Grip is super honest about the reception to Penumbra Requiem. And I know that's something we're going to talk about a, a, a bit as we go along. But I just wanted to play this because I think it's it's an interesting insight into how, what they were feeling after they released it and players' reactions to it, I suppose. So yeah, this is uh, Thomas Grip talking with Game Reactor about uh, Requiem. One of the main lessons when it comes to Requiem is that um, you shouldn't change too much to it because it came so, sort of a surprise to some people. We haven't been really clear about what Requiem was, that it really was an epilogue and so on. So some, some were uh, a bit disappointed with that. But if you go into um, Requiem with, uh, in mind that it's an uh, epilogue and it's a little experimental, then I think you will enjoy it a lot. You very rarely hear, um, I guess, well, AAA developers speaking so candidly about, mm. I'm hesitant to say mistakes, mm. but... Yeah, yeah, possible miscommunications and things they may have done different. Yeah, no, it's true. It is refreshing, isn't it? You, you, you don't often hear that. Preview-wise, then, we have a hands-on preview for Penumbra Overture that GameSpot did. It was uh, posted on GameSpot on the 8th of February 2007. And a quote from them was, Penumbra Overture certainly shows a lot of promise at this stage, with the small, unproven team at Frictional managing to create an enticingly eerie horror game. And then in January 2008, IGN posted a preview for Penumbra Black Plague, so episode two, and the quote from them was, Penumbra has the same low-budget origins and a similar sense of untarnished originality as the Blair Witch Project. Mm. That's mm. high praise, praise at, the, pre- at yeah. the preview market to say. Now, without kind of maybe giving away your entire feelings on it, but yeah, how, how do you... Like, the, the Blair Witch Project, like, that's, that's something that spawned, you know, a, the, the found footage genre, basically. They, yeah. they popularised it. But then everything you're saying, Josh, about this, like, it, we didn't really have these games, you know? We, did, we didn't yeah. have the first-person hide-from-the-monster mm. horror games. So, like, maybe it's not a totally... No, I don't think it is. I, it is it's, only, it's only really a matter of degree. I think the only difference is, is that the Blair Witch Project made more money than God and Penumbra... I mean, yeah. ...wasn't, wasn't <laughs> like, a financial... Penumbra was, was... Blair Witch had both things. It was incredibly influential, but also just an, just an utterly mad financial explosion. And so, but whereas Penumbra has slightly less of that. Although, it, you know, I know it's tough to get sales, but it must have made a decent chunk of change because they've carried on making really good games. But, but yeah, how, I mean, Penumbra is ludicrous. I mean, we there, there'd be no Resident Evil Village. I mean, if you just want to draw a straight line as to where we are now, or where, you know, it's like, well, if that doesn't happen, then Amnesia doesn't happen. And if that doesn't happen, then Outlast doesn't happen. And if then, then Alien Isolation doesn't happen and Resident Evil 7 doesn't happen. I mean, <laughs> Penumbra's like ridiculously influenced. But yeah. To, to get Blair Witch kind of put into the the whole talk of the game is is kind of probably one of the biggest compliments they could get, I'd say at the time. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I wish I had played it back in the day because I, I, it didn't scare me a great deal, but I think it's tough to see. Maybe it's a little bit difficult to see now just how bloody scary this, this, this would have been. Were, were you, were, did, you, did it freak you guys out? Well, do you know what? Let's, let's put a pin on that. Let's take a quick break and then let's come back. 
Let's get into it. Let's dissect Penumbra Overture, Black Plague and Requiem. All right. Now we've we've gone through setting up what Penumbra is, some of the thoughts of Thomas Grip and how he was trying to position it and how frictional we're trying to position this game. But now it's time to get into the nitty gritty and talk about our feelings on the game after we have played all all three episodes, I suppose. So, what was everyone's knowledge of Penumbra, actually, prior to them playing the game? Why don't you tell us first, Josh? What did, did, did Were you aware of Penumbra? I knew the name and I knew that it was only on PC and I knew it almost like uh you sort of i think you made this i'm gonna oh no i'm gonna ruin your answer colin um it's like you listen to nevermind and then you're like oh shit like bleach what's that i'll listen to bleach and then you know it's it's like one of those mm. like kind of like cools like oh they actually did that before they did this and it kind of does all the stuff but didn't know actually anything about really like what the game kind of consisted of i just i knew about that engine and i knew that it came from a tech demo and that it was meant to be really good physics and planks of wood that moved convincingly but that's about it really nothing nothing about what it actually was i was the exact same i i knew it was what the people who did amnesia did prior to amnesia but and i knew like you know i knew it wasn't a a, a match three game i knew it was basically <laughs> yeah. the precursor to amnesia mm-hmm. and what uh how they they built on the formula for amnesia but as, uh, apart from that i didn't really know much uh what about you adam did you grow up having penumbra posters on your wall loved it <laughs> absolutely not uh i suppose like the beauty of this podcast now is discovering and playing games i've never heard of this being the first one so far uh genuinely knew nothing about it um knew that we were doing this so like bought it and i saw just amnesia and i went oh jesus no i was like it's it's one of these games this is <laughs> right fair enough but i said you know what look at nothing else take all because like, you know something like to play a game like this as well and not know what's the enemy what's the what's the scary thing what's what's the boo what's the boo no like what's going to come at me not knowing that really kind of adds to the fear of this game. Like, you know, so so that's that was like completely blind going into this entire entire game. So, uh, yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, some people at home will or on their commute or doing the what, whatever you're whatever you're up to, however you listen to your <laughs> podcast, you may not have played Penumbra. So I'll try and explain the gameplay for those of you that didn't play. So for all intents and purposes, Penumbra and its three separate episodes are mostly focused on puzzle solving from a first person perspective. Of course, this is, as we've made reference to, all wrapped up in a horror atmosphere. Puzzles are either solved using objects in the environment or via items that you pick up along the way. Uh, there, There is some good old-fashioned adventure game style puzzle solving in here as well, where you combine certain items in your inventory to create new items. Uh, but a lot of it, the puzzle solving does take place within the world itself. The combat is a tougher one to pin down, as each game is slightly different. So in Overture, you can attack enemies if you wish, with your hammer or your pickaxe. In Black Plague, you're not able to attack enemies whatsoever. 
well, yeah, I suppose you can pick up something in the environment like a loose brick. And you can fire them at the enemies, but you don't have a have a weapon as such. And in Requiem, there are no enemies, so there's no combat. However, the best way to succeed in a combat situation in either Overture or Black Plague is just to completely avoid them by being stealthy, you know, being a blue screen having sneaky boy, which we'll talk about, or if a dog or a zombie sees you, just leg it away from them as quick as possible. Get get yourself into a into a little hidey hole. So, let's then what what we what we always do on these um, these episodes is we kind of break the games down into their individual parts. We talk about the stealth. We talk about the boom boom. We talk about the 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 standout for either good or bad reasons. Standout like mission level area, and we talk about the story. So let's first talk about the stealth of Penumbra. Josh, why don't you start us off? I feel like I've done enough talking. Why, why don't you maybe outline what, what the stealth is and what, what you thought of it? Well, i gotta, I got to be honest, uh, it was quite a long time playing <laughs> playing Penumbra Overture uh, b- before those kinds of... I, I didn't really understand what was, what was going on. Uh, I had a, a, a lot of... <laughs> There wasn't a lot of stealth for me for quite a while because uh, I didn't. I had trouble understanding what they meant with the central mechanic, and uh, perhaps you guys can explain this a little bit better than I can. But so when an enemy is nearby, you uh, can break. Li- I think it's just line of sight and also darkness i think those are the two is noise a thing within close proximity is a thing. yeah okay fair play um so uh, as you say little hidey hole when you're hidden from let's say a dog uh the screen so it's, it's very dark and you can't see anything but the screen kind of goes blue you get a blue tint and you can kind of see like you can see a lot better like you've got some some bitchin night vision going on um it's not like uh, in Amnesia where if you... The whole thing in Amnesia is you can't look at the stalker thing that's there because if you look at the thing, your character <clears throat> will, you know, panic. And as they panic, as they panic they'll make noise. And, you know, so you kind of have to... It's quite good. You have to look away and you don't know where it is. Uh, with Penumbra, I was never sure. It, oh, yeah, go on, go on. It, well, I was going to say the same as, is for Penumbra. Is it? <laughs> if, if, you look, if you look at a, a dog or a zombie or whatever, Big Phil will start to like... <laughs> you, you'll hear a bit of breathing. And oh, like, the breathing. And mecha- it, yes. he does start to kind of freak out a little bit so it so it is in penumbra as well okay and and uh, right okay fair enough and but you want the screen to be to be blue yeah the, i mean the, yes. that was yeah. because I, i'll be honest with you guys after not too much time i just started to attack things because the stealth yeah. i didn't really um I appreciate what you're saying that it would, it would, I think they just explained it quite well in amnesia and, and, and I don't know what it was in this, but I thought it took me a while to kind of work out is the blue, the blue screen good. Yeah. Actually the blue screen is what you want. And then when the blue screen goes back to, to a normal color, is that, does that mean the enemy's gone after a while? I just would jump up onto a crate and if there was dogs about, I would just stand on this crate with a pickaxe or a hammer. And then when the dogs came up to me, I just, sort of batter them to death um and that was my experience and then once the dogs were simply dead i'd just move on um or sometimes i'd just run because 
you're trying to do a puzzle and there's dogs about and you just have to get to the next area. So I just ran. So, so I think, yeah, not, and I appreciate it's my fault. Not actually a lot of stealth for me in Penumbra. Uh, just, I think the, the way the game was going also, and I don't know if this was just my play style, but there did seem to actually feel like there was a bit less stealth as the game went on. Like the dogs just sort of thinned out and we got, we got some giant worms coming up later on. But that's not really stealth, you know. You know. Yeah, it turns into uh, Dune all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Um, dogs sort of more in the middle bit, and there wasn't too many, I don't remember too many dogs toward the end. So a, ste- a stealthy middle bit where the pooches were involved. I don't know if I'd entirely agree with that. Yeah, which, which bit of it? Which bit that of it? That it gets less stealthy as it goes along, purely because there is this interconnected area that you have to keep coming back to where there are dogs roaming the halls. Oh, actually, yeah, no, you're right. I think, I think it's because I killed them. It, it, it made the illusion that there was less stealth. Actually, what I'm saying is not really a reasonable complaint at all. <laughs> I think I just attacked them with a hammer. But yeah, um, I, I think the stealth was was okay. I, I did avoid some dogs a couple of times early on, and I and I and I, and I sort of felt okay. I, I I think I can understand. Am I right in saying that when the screen goes from blue back to black, back to normal, that means that they've sort of gone out the area? Is that did I understand that right? When you're crouched and not moving, the screen gets there's a blue tint, mm-hmm. and that's to almost imply that you are like super hidden. You're safe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah to yeah. to an extent, if a dog maybe passes you, then <laughs> you, you you could you could be in a bit of trouble. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. How did you guys find the stealth? Uh, yeah, I'd be probably, I'd be agreeing with Josh here. Like I thought, like like starting starting the whole game off, not knowing what was going on, not knowing, as I said, what the enemies were going to be like. There was this. There was such an intense level of fear for the first while and that like I felt that when I had to like sneak around or just stay crouched because the music was just doing an awful amount of like you know you gotta be careful here now this is getting really spooky and I was kind of like all right Jesus Christ well what is actually going to appear then the dogs appear and I kind of went okay okay all right okay that is this is this is this what this is all about? This, this These dogs going around the place? Then I kind of didn't feel like I'd be the same as you, Josh. Once I knew then I can just bait them around the gaff. I was just like, right, yo, let's just chance this. And oh, got a load of jerky. Here you go, lads. See you later. <laughs> Throw them there. Grand job. Off we go. There was just, I, I, I kind of felt that like there was a lot of moments as well when nothing was around me. And I kind of was, I was just kind of crouching. I'd go into a room and I was like, anything in here? Do you know? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of, um, like, oh, I suppose this is more talking in, in the boom boom section, but like the the whole, what they call it, a physical interactive system in the, in the interview that you, uh, that you had up, uh, call them like this, the whole interact with absolutely every single item that you find. Like they really kind of, are all about the the slow opening of the doors and stuff. So those kind of elements of just being careful, I suppose, I did a lot of. But as the game progressed, I was like, is it just dogs constantly appearing? Because <laughs> like, I, I in my head was kind of going like, surely there's going to be something else that's going to be like horrendous coming at me. But it just kept being that. So then my fear level was just diminished 
And I was like, I'm not getting scared anymore because I've been at this game now for about like, you know, three hours, say, and I've just seen dogs. It was good. I tell you what, you are right, though, because it was, I will say before it was good early on, wasn't it? That first sort of half an hour when you I'll be honest, know. right? This, yeah, there's an excellent kind of the atmosphere is built and your general descent into the mines and stuff is superb. It is mm. it is terrifying and i think it gets very claustrophobic and you do get a, that whole sense of like i don't like being here i want to get out and as i said then just when you discovered the enemy side of it i was like ah all right i'm getting a bit kind of just irritated no i just want to progress on so i was very careful at the start i think we'll talk about it in a while but like i think the stealth mainly in this the second chapter is a lot stronger it just gets a lot mm. stronger but in just as the opening kind of chapter, it's, it's, I consider it incredibly weak, really. Like, and it was surprising how it, it, there's not much to play around with. Like, as I said, mm. no, you get the jerky to kind of yeah. lash around the place. But like, other than that, you, there was one occasion, all right, where um, I had the dog chasing me and I was like, fuck it. I wasn't getting really anywhere. Like, you know, I know you were saying, um, Josh, we're jumping on a box and stuff and just, hitting them and stuff I did do that but there was an occasion where I was kind of like curious to see could you use any of the environments situation like like when you open a gate can you trap the dog and you actually can so I and like there's a lot of there's a lot of maybe um blocking off the door or something like that you know but oh, yeah. once once you're seen by the dog you're you're just running you're there's no real like you can't really hide you could go into a room and that's that whatever but there's no real Hiding underneath stuff like remothered. No, there's no going into a cupboard or anything like that. Yeah. But there's still really like you couldn't. It, it, the the area itself is not. It's not really designed for for solid stealth. I felt like you know you're in a you're in a mine. Like mm. you walk mm. into rooms. There's there's nothing to really kind of hide in. And so I just thought like starting off it wasn't it wasn't great. It wasn't great for yeah. me anyway. I don't know. Call him. Did you? Th- like, did you enjoy the stilt kind of aspect of it? Do you feel it was strong enough? I mean, not the strongest thing in the world, but I definitely enjoyed it more than the two of you. Mm. Like, I, I think first person stealth is a difficult thing to get right. Mm. Um, and I think that the blue tint is, is a sort of a good enough indication of safety. Because you, you need that. You need to know that you are safe and that you are... Like in this binary, like, do they see me? Yes or no? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I need some sort of visual element. And in the game, I'm guessing to keep the atmosphere, there are no, there's no HUD, there's no indicator above enemies, like that, you know, it goes bling and it's like, oh, the dog can see you. Like, there's, mm. there's nothing of that. Mm. And I think the blue, like, yeah, it's silly and whatever else. Like, why is the screen going blue? Uh, why do I, why do I have night vision? I'm just a regular guy. Why is there? No, why do I have night vision? But it, it's it's a it's a decent uh, uh, indicator to tell you that you are you are safe. Mm. Now, what you're saying there about you know oh, I was being extra careful and then I realised oh, there, there are no enemies here or whatever. I think the game is excellent at making you think there are more enemies here than there actually are. And I think if areas, yeah. if areas were littered with enemies, I think it would be a bigger problem. I know what you're saying, uh, but like, it just, it, it, it took too long to introduce, like, even if I saw, because I'll be honest, like, there, there are definitely scary moments, 
uh, one in particular I'll get to later on, but um, like overall, like, as I progressed through the, the like if I went to, when I went to the second chapter and like Black Plague and then Requiem, I kind of felt like I my I just wasn't scared at all anymore. And mm. maybe if they just threw in a bit more kind of like psychological aspects, it would have made my it would have made the stealth aspect a bit more kind of, I would have been way more cautious because I've been like, oh, I think this game is going to start throwing a lot of like, like dodgy situations that I should be prepared for. Cause like, like it does take a, a, a long time before anything else really kind of comes along. When, mm. when you say, do you mean enemy variation or do yeah, you yeah, mean- yeah. Like enemy variation, because I just don't think like, like it wants you to be stealthy and be careful like for example you got that classic case of using your torch right and you got the batteries like yeah i had to torch out like from the very start and i felt like i never wanted to put it away i was like i don't want this thing going away at all i was like this is mm. this is the best thing i can have right now and then the battery drains you're like oh god whatever but then you have your um like oh, it's kind of like a i don't want to glow stick. stick glow stick kind of thing yeah and I just use that then all the time. I was like, this is fine. This will do grand. Because <laughs> it just, I didn't feel like I needed to, I, I, I just, I didn't need to like save much stuff because it, the, mm. the threat was so low. It just felt so low that like, I was like, I'm just going to bash on. Like, like using that blue screen thing that the, when you crouch down, use that for like genuine first two hours. And then I was like, nah, never going to use that again. Like, it may, it it does more of building tension than delivering a thing, and and it does do it well. I will say that much because I do ag- I do agree with you definitely. But, like, but, but yeah. Black Plague goes way more into that kind of area, and I well, think I mean, we're, we're 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 talking about Penumbra as a whole. So I was going to say like you. You absolutely leathered the poor doggies, Josh, and sent them to all dogs go to heaven, especially when Josh Wise is around. And what, but what about Penumbra Black Plague, where you don't have a weapon? That I thought was. I think that one is my favourite one of the of the. I was about to say of the two. Of course, there are three. Um, I think Black Plague is my favourite, and that one. Uh, but again, the, the the thing with with Black Plague and the sort of naked uh, monster men was, um, a good, you know, good 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 atmosphere. Liked it, uh, but a lot more uh, running for me personally. And it's a really weird thing because I I, I want to sort of uh, sort of nail down how much of it I can put, uh, 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 how much of it I can pin to the game and how much is the way I played the game, you know, because it's sort of not the game's fault. But I, with Black Plague, I, I never really felt that compelled to do a lot of stealth. I think I I think I did stealth maybe sort of two or three times. And it was, and it was, and it was decent with when, when the guys were sort of stalking around. But a lot of the time was uh, when they would sort of, you know, you could sort of bait them and make them run at you. Um mm you're a bit quite a bit more maneuverable you can just sort of get them to do that uh just sort of step to the side and then get and then sort of go from where they've just come which is where you need to go to sort of thing so it, it sort of felt quite similar it, it was like what you know once that once that illusion breaks it it doesn't really unbreak you know the yeah. fear didn't come back but um, but but also the, the i felt like you have to want the stealth in this game Maybe that's what the difference is. There are some games where it's like, 
this is a you know this is a stealth game, and there are other games where they say you can play this stealthily. Penumbra, obviously, I think it maybe falls into the latter category. It offers stealth among its many things, like as you were sort of saying, Adam. Like you've got the jerky, you can chuck at the dogs. You've got yeah. avoid, you've got avoidance and running away, and mm. the sort of safety of load loading screen doors and stuff like that. Um, but it felt like you kind of have to really want to buy into that atmosphere and want to kind of go, I'm going to crouch and I'm going to do the blue screen thing and I'm going to kind of wait for it to go go away. And I'm going to choose, like, not, I could just run because there's a loading door right there, but I'm not, I'm going to do the stealth thing, you know? You sort of have yeah. to, like, you kind of have to buy in a bit. Is that a fair criticism? I, I think it is. I think it is. Now, I would say I bought in. And I, uh, like, because even it, it tells you very early on, it's basically when the f- you're up against your first dog, mm. something pops up saying like, Philly isn't the strongest lad. Um, so <laughs> yeah. you're, it even said like, you, you're now going to have to like use your wits, your wits. or something like that yeah. and, and stealth. And it says, it says stealth. So yeah. I was like, okay, cool. And like, I did feel, especially like before you have any sort of pickaxe or anything like that, like you, you are forced to be stealth, stealthy because that dog, if that dog comes near you, like you're gone. Like you are so, <laughs> so weak in this. Like you can, I don't know, like two or three bites and. Oh yeah, you're out of there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like I, I, I do take it that, yeah, if a dog is, is, is kicking about and you jump on a crate mm. and I'm pretty sure like I read a ton of uh, blogs that they did on their own website and they even mentioned, like, yeah, when players learned that they could jump on the crate and the dog. Oh, is that like a thing? <laughs> oh, wow. And that, that is a bit, it, it, that breaks it a little bit. 100%. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't. Oh, shit. I don't say otherwise. But I, I, I did buy into other aspects of it. Mm. It's, mm. it's interesting to say that because, like, for me, when it, com- when it comes down to, like, the, these, con- these types of games and, and being stealthy or whatever, I'm going to be way more cautious. I know I keep repeating it, but like in terms of what the enemy is or what's in front of me. So that's why when I got to Black Plague and I saw these like human style things that were just like really weird and just walking towards you like in a frantic kind of manner, that's that just terrifies me. So I'm immediately like rather than just a dog going mental, barking and just wanting to eat you and it's just jumping all over the place. I'm going to be way, way more cautious with the likes of a human enemy or something like that mm. because they're, they're just walking into the rooms and stuff and there's just like, you know, as I said, like you can get on the box and you can stand there and be like, ha, tough shit, doggy. And you yeah, just bait yeah. into them, do you know? And that is the one that kind of caught on, isn't it? If you look at like Amnesia, the enemies in that, they're all humanoid, you know? Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any Yeah, that. yeah. It, it, just, it just plays with me a lot more. And on top of that, I just want to say like with Black Plague, it helps that there's, I just think there's better level designs. There's more, mm-hmm. there's more variety going on as you progress through that game. And mm-hmm. like you, you are stuck in the mind for the most of the first chapter. And it is, it is definitely scary, but there, there is a sense of like, just you're kind of going to the same areas quite often. Whereas that like every time I was like, as I was progressing in, in Black Plague, I was like, oh, what's in here? Is it one of those human weird <laughs> things? What's, what's going on? So yeah. I was definitely way more cautious on it, considering as well they knocked away the 
the, the the actual combat itself because it is it is bad. But we'll get to that in a minute. Well, you know what? Let's get on to it now. Let's take a quick break and then because I think I think we've essentially covered <laughs> all aspects of the stealth. So yeah, let's let's take a quick break and then we'll talk about the boom boom. Yes, it is the Venga Boys' favourite part of the show. This is where we discuss the boom boom of Penumbra, Overture, Black Plague and Requiem. And typically, this is kind of the section of the each podcast where we talk about the things that aren't stealth in the game, really, and the, the mechanics. And, you know, sometimes it's puzzles, sometimes it's, it's uh, combat, uh, so on and so forth. Adam, you said that you weren't a fan of the combat. So yeah. tell us why. And t- I suppose, cause we've sort of danced around it. Like what, what is, what is the combat of this game? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is, it is, is a tiny amount really, but it's, it's an awful issue. You but were- do you know what? Do you know what? Actually, before, before you go on, because I have a clip. Yes. I want to hear this clip. This is a clip of Thomas Grip talking to Game Reactor about, about the combat. It's actually, it's from, we played something from this interview earlier. But here is a clip of Grip. Ah, very good. Uh, talking about the, the combat and people's reaction to the combat. Before you go on, Adam, I, th- I think it's important we hear this. We tried to make it, like, um, hard on purpose. Then some thought, okay, it's too hard. Why do they have a fighting system like this? And it was one meant to. Those who fi- found it hard, they're like... They had a real design, they, they experienced it in the right way. But some people thought it was too easy. So <laughs> at the same time, some people, oh, this fighting says I didn't have to run a single enemy. It's not really easy to just kill them all. So some were disappointed with that the fighting system was too easy. But then in Black Plague, we just had no weapons and then we didn't have that problem anymore. So the question I have for you, because I know what you're going to say, right? You're going to say mm-hmm. the combat is, is rubbish. Mm-hmm. But, and it's... <sighs> Oh, it's a difficult thing I wrestle with in my head because like, but is not what he's saying there that like the combat is quote unquote, like meant to be bad. <laughs> As they said, like, you know, they, do, they don't want to be like games like scientists, but they don't want you loaded with anything. They want you to have hardly the, the, the barest thing possible. And this is what they give you. And they make it awkward because they want it to not be the main focus because as you progress really through these three chapters or three episodes, um, there's, there's, a, there's, a me- there's one mechanic as a whole that they are solely focusing on and it is interacting with the entire environment. Like that's what they want you to do. Mm-hmm. And when they removed it from Black Plague, it was the best choice because it's, it's, it's shit. It's shit. You don't want, you, you, it, it defeats but you know what because we need to explain for the people who aren't mm. who aren't uh, or who haven't played it but basically yeah you have a hammer or a pickaxe in Overture and you click in the mouse button and then you swing the mouse basically <laughs> and that is how you swing your pickaxe or your hammer and if you move your mouse whilst uh, hold, I think you hold it in uh, and you move the mouse back and forth you can do this sort of jab it's very cumbersome. The idea of like, it's meant to be bad. That doesn't wash with you, Adam. No, it doesn't. Like, because I would, ra- I would rather have a gun with three bullets for the whole game than a really, really awkward mechanic. Like, there's no, re- I don't find it, uh, like, there's no reason for that game to have like 
a melee situation and have it be awkward. Like, that to me, it just doesn't fly in any game. I'm just like, I'd rather it not exist because every time I do it, I feel like I'm just playing this game really messy. And that's mm-hmm. not good. I just don't, I don't like that. Like, I don't see how anyone can look past that and go, no, it's, it's supposed to be hard though. Like, it's, no, no, it's, it's just, it's awkward. It's unsatisfying and messy. The other side of it is, say, a Far Cry where you've never held a weapon in your entire life. You never mm-hmm. held a gun. And instantly you are action man mm-hmm. and you can do everything. Like, we are meant to perceive that this Philip character is, you know, kind of Joe blogs and yeah. he has found himself in this situation and he, he is meant to be awkward when trying to kill these dogs because mm. he, this is, this is unlike any situation he's found himself in before. And I'm kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit because I, I think this is a situation where it is quote meant to be bad, but at the same time, Josh, it is also bad. <laughs> and that's, that's the difficult thing. And maybe, maybe Black Plague is the happy medium then where they just go, look, just, just take it out completely. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, p- p- perhaps so. But I'd also say that, you know, that the hammer and the, and the pickaxe are good for, for other stuff in the game. And, uh, you know, like you can smash fence and smash crates and things and, and mm. boards. and So it, it almost felt to me like there wasn't really combat so much as like, two different systems rubbing mm. together in a, in a funny old way. It's like, well, we have dogs because we want to scare you. And we also have this other mechanic because we want you to break open crates and vents and stuff. And actually, I guess you can combine those. And I guess we have to call that combat. But I, 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 I didn't hate it. I, I, I totally get the whole... I, <laughs> I get the whole thing, you know, he's a normal uh, bloke, this Philip uh, fella. He's a normal chap in a mine and he doesn't know what's going on, but he's got a pickaxe. And I think, well, you know, fair enough. And it's and it, <laughs> it's my fault because I was controlling Philip that I chose to stand on a crate and butcher some dogs. You know, maybe Philip wouldn't have done that. I don't know. But uh, I'd, like, I'd like to think that, like, Jesus, in real life, lads, if you're in a situation like that, that you would know how to swing an axe. <laughs> do it with a bit of weight you know like, well, that's, like why, that's why i was thinking like the actual mechanic of doing it which is you hold you have to you do it one way as if to pull your arm back and then you swipe yeah. it the other way i sort of yeah. think that mechanic was definitely made to, with, with you using it more as a tool in mind like that yeah. mecha- if they knew oh yeah primarily this the player's going to use it to kill dogs maybe they mm. would have done it in a different way because it definitely feels like well, yeah it fits into our whole physical tactile you can pick stuff up system um, yeah i i don't want to hate it too much i feel like it's interesting given the fact that they let you pick up yeah, pretty much everything in the game that like would it not have been like a better design choice to maybe go, do you know what? Give him nothing. He has mm. nothing. You go down there and say you you find a Ken. If you want to chance your arm with that Ken and you're going to go forward and that, uh, someone enemy comes at you, you throw the Ken, you go, oh, did nothing. Damn it. And you have to scatter around and run and look for something else. That would be better. Or just like like planks of wood break or something like that, you know? It was just having that constant item with you and it just being useless 
you can see why they quickly pulled out because I don't feel like <laughs> the reason that oh people found it too hard or people found it too easy is the reason they took it out I just mm. don't think they truly had faith in wanting mm. the game to have that like I just because they so. yeah. they focus hard on puzzles in this as it goes mm. on and you see that in Requiem like it just like in Requiem it's just puzzles it's just straight up puzzles all the time like in Re- in Requiem, especially like I don't know if you lads thought this, but like Jesus, it's 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 quite. It feels like Portal at times. Like you know, you're kind of yeah, going. Oh, it's, exactly it's very down. Portal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that alone is like it, it's quite interesting to see them go from like uh, episode one when they they they're going to survival horror thing big time, and it's like oh we get to episode two, we take out combat, and then in episode three we just go full puzzles. It's it's. So overall, I'm all, I, I was like coming away from it going, what were they trying to do? Does that not show the, the kind of the evolution of the series? Yeah, maybe it does. I mean, I think as, as, it, as it goes on, they get closer and closer to, 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 to the sweet spot. <clears throat> and then maybe even, uh, I, I, I might not say Requiem is so much a part of the revolution so much as it's a really interesting little uh, side experiment. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of... Uh, the Justine DLC for Amnesia. It's like, it's actually quite different from what Amnesia is. It's just puzzle rooms. Um, but yeah, maybe, yeah, it, I, I, I totally hear that. Like it, as, as, as it goes on, they, they keep sort of sanding it down and getting closer to what the, you know, what they were trying to, what they were trying to do. Cause we're talking about the puzzles. The, I, I, I really enjoyed them. Like, and specifically the environmental ones, like portal has already been said, like that's what they, Remind me of the pushing and pulling of crates and boxes and uh, pulling levers and all that. Like that mm. was what I enjoyed more so than the combine item X with item Y. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Penumbra is very good at nudging you in a direction without outright telling you, I feel. I had an issue with Remothered where it didn't tell, where it did, where I felt like it told you nothing. Mm. It just said, yeah, find the key. See ya. Whereas this was not direct. (laughs) It didn't put a little, you know, you didn't get a little waypoint and I didn't want that. But I I thought it was, uh, in its language, I thought it was good enough. Like I'm reminded Mm. of one puzzle in Black Plague. It's in the infirmary where it happens is it's relevant. But the, the important bit is that you walk through a door and then in front of you, there are three static beams going from left to right. And if you walk through them, you explode. Um, (laughs) There are three boxes as well at your feet and you can fashion a staircase to jump over this death trap. Or you could do what I did, which was I grabbed a nearby plank and then I propped it up against this metal bookshelf and then... Uh, I sort of cheesed my way up that. Then I grabbed, I grabbed said plank uh, while I was on top of the bookshelf. And then I used it as a bridge from the bookshelf I was on to the bookshelf that was in front of me. And then you avoid the explosives. They give you the tools and they kind of go, see what you see, what you can do. You, yeah. you can, you can figure it out this way or you can figure it out that way. It's, you know, not, not as broad a spectrum as an immersive sim, but it, it, it gives you the tools and it goes, yeah, go on, figure it out. I'm not saying they didn't anticipate what I did. I'm sure they did, but 
Yeah. It didn't make it any less cool. No, and it didn't make you feel like you were doing a prescribed thing. You felt like yes. I'm, I'm pissing about and I did that and that's great. I don't, yeah. It, but you know what? It, uh, it's interesting as it, 2008 and then 2009. It, it, if you think as it goes on, I sort of thought this as we were kind of going through Penumbra. The second one, Black Play, well, and the first one a little bit, they reminded me uh, not of an immersive sim, but of Half-Life 2, which is not, I would say, quite an immersive sim, but which has those elements. You've got the gravity gun and it's amazing what you can do with it. And it just, you know, with planks of wood and barrels and rubber, you know, tires and things like that. And then it's funny that you then you get to Requiem and you think, oh, then they're definitely doing Portal. It's it, 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 it touches Half-Life and Valve's work so, so well, I think, in those, in those areas and really sort of evolves throughout the series. I don't think you enjoyed the puzzling all that much, Adam. No, no, I didn't. I, I just, I kind of, it got to a stage in Black Plague where I was like, okay, cool, I'm, I'm, this is our, this is our right, I think, I think I can see this and, okay, I'll put this box here and that box there and jump over here and do that. Grand job. Mm. And then it went, it went on and on and on and on and on. And then Requiem happens and I went, holy God, this is everything that they wanted for the game. And my problem is, I know for a lot of people, like it's, it opens up this kind of like creative aspect for the player. I understand it, but it's just, it's not executed well enough for me. And I felt it kills every bit of tension that is being told within its story and its atmosphere. Like there's, there's times where I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm here now, just doing this thing now again, stacking these, picking up these items, balancing stuff up. And I just, my focus goes away from any sort of dread, any sort of step that I should be watching out for, all this kind of stuff. And it becomes very obtuse at times. And I, I just don't have patience for it. Like, I know we can compare like Portal to it and stuff, but Portal is just like, it's, it's very, very like well executed. And I know they kind of have similar physics, but they, they in, in, in Penumbra, it just, it just got repetitive. It was always like, oh my God, in Requiem, it is, it just was all about boxes. It was all about stacking the box, jumping on the box, jumping in here, have the box in the water to get up on top of you, but drag another box down here. That to me was just, it was so destroying for me. Like I don't have patience for it. And mm. It's, it's not something that I'm like going, oh, it makes the game terrible. There's a lot of people I know who would like that kind of thing. But it just not, the, the, the payoff for me there then is just like, this is just, no, I just want to be done. We should say as well that this, uh, was it the HPL engine? Yeah. Uh, it, it, I just want to take a moment to recognise how good it is that uh, it's an engine which is all about like how things are really tactile. You know, if you, if you open a door from the middle, the door mm. doesn't open very well. And if you open it for, like from the edge, it opens really easily. I, I love the, the guy's name's Thomas Grip. That's so good. <laughs> it's like, imagine if the burnout guy was like Malcolm Crash. Like it's just, it's, it's just like, the, he's, the, he's got the perfect name. Like P, you just, just worked and you don't get that. You know, or like, I guess now we have, you know, Doug Bowser is like the head of Nintendo, but I'm all for Thomas Grip. 
The great name, the right name for the right job. Anyway, sorry, go on. I just want to say, like, you know, there's there are certain moments where, like, you know, opening a door and then the, a barrel is just just ever so slightly stopping that door from opening. You're like, oh, <laughs> God damn it. Like, those kinds of things wreck my head. And, like, I'm sorry, like, but there was an insane amount of platforming all of a sudden then. And I was like, ah, oh, Jesus Christ, this is not, this is not enjoyable for me. I know I sound incredibly harsh on it. But it's it, it's mental when you go through the three the three episodes and it, it just feels like it's a different thing altogether from start to the end. And I know you can say, isn't that good though? Maybe. But for me, I was it just drove me mad. It's dark requiem especially Christ. It actually became more and more of what you didn't like as it went on. Yeah, pretty much like, you know, like they could have they, they they kind of just go away from certain ideas when they're just about to kind of start getting good but it felt like just the the platforming and the the puzzle aspect was really kind of like ah oh, we, we like this this is what we want to do and I was like okay mm-hmm. fair enough some of the puzzles were not bad I did enjoy a, a lot of um using the computer and stuff and those those little touches and things but uh, I don't know I don't, my patience was like was very thin on it come that point like, as somebody who enjoyed the puzzle aspect of it particularly the, in, the environmental puzzles I will say Requiem was a, a bridge too far like I, I know what you're saying oh you do the puzzles and then it totally disregards the stealth and it's like yeah I'm alright with that because you built up so much like that's, a, that's kind of the release of tension I was talking about when we were um, was a remothered you, you have these they sort of act like safe rooms and it becomes you know it's like you've gone into Richard O'Brien has dragged you into somewhere in the Aztec zone and he's gone, go on, figure it out and get that crystal and we'll take you out. That's what it feels like. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Like I, I, I'm enjoying that. And then I'll figure it out. I'll get whatever key or whatever I need. I leave and then I'll have to crouch down and I'll have to avoid the zombies or the dogs or the whatever it is. But I couldn't like, I couldn't believe like there was a like an hour or so into Requiem. I was like, is there any enemies in this? I'm with you on Requiem. When Richard O'Brien never comes back to you to take you out of the room, <laughs> then, then it becomes too much. While we're on the on the topic of all these different scenarios and whatnot, let's discuss our most noteworthy mission level or area of Penumbra Overture, uh, Black Plague and Requiem. So yeah, this isn't our favourite. Oh, well, I mean, it can be our favourite, it can be our least favourite, but it's just the one that stands out to us. So, Josh, why don't you start us off? What was the the area? Because it's, you know, it's not really breaking up into levels or kind of, I guess it's kind of missions, but it's not, you know, it's not a checklist. But yeah, what, what stood out to you? I found this, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? There's no set thing. Um, the bit which uh, really had a kind of an effect, I guess, was in uh, Over- Overture. Uh, or there's a few, but I picked this one because it was just so different. But it's the bit where you suddenly get out onto that frozen lake um, and you've got the daylight coming in from the top. And it felt like quite a big relief to me, you know, because uh, you spend so much time in Overture um, in the dark and, and in, you know, well, in a mine. And, you know, and that's great. And it's a good atmosphere. But I felt there's this moment where you could sort of emerge out into this little uh, area, um, of the little frozen lake. And it just felt like, on the one hand, it was like a really nice sense of relief. Because it was like, oh, wow, I, I can see stuff. Um, there's no, like, immediate threat. There's no dogs knocking about. 
no spiders, no big worms or anything. And I, I'm just like, wow, what an amazing sense of relief. Like I've spent so long, so cramped and everything. Um, but then they did a really good thing. I thought anyway, uh, on the ice, because you have to go, you have to traverse this lake to get to uh, an item that you need on the other side. And as you go across the lake, it sort of cracks and there are sort of little ice flows. Um, and if you're not careful, you can, if you fall in, that's curtains for you. Um, but there's a nice tension where you're, you're sort of walking across this thing and you can hear it crack. And if you're careful and, and sort of if you've got good instincts, you can kind of dart back a few feet and sort of see where it cracks. And then you have to jump onto each ice flow Um and sort of, well, yeah, first person platforming is always a, always a dicey proposition, but I didn't mind it too. I have to say, I didn't mind it too much, uh, for that particular bit, partly because the room was quite well lit and you can actually see stuff. I think so, a lot of it was a bit more stressful when you, when you can't see what's going on, but when, and then sort of getting to the other side, uh, I, I think what my, my first thought was honestly, like, when was the last time I was on an ice lake in a video game? And then I was like, they don't do that enough in video games. That's it's like a really good thing. It's been in movies and stuff. Like it was in Skyfall and it's just like a great, it's not a cliche, but like, you know, you're on a lake. You don't know if it's going to break. Maybe you hear a little cracking noise. It's just a good bit. It's a good thing. And I'm like, mm. how have games not? And then I thought there's a bit in Splinter Cell when you're like swimming under the ice and you can, I think it was Double Agent. And there's that, there was another one, possibly Rise of the Tomb Raider. But you, it was that you were, you were under the lake. You were the threat in those games. So anyway, I thought there was a really good little tense sort of spectacle and it changed what the game was for five minutes. <laughs> I just thought it was really bonkers and creative and quite nutty that this this the team that made this could uh, switch things up so confidently. Um, even in, <laughs> it sounds terribly grandiose or something like it's like oh the game completely transformed into a different video game. It didn't. It's just there's this nice little bit where I just thought this is just different design. This is just doing something completely different from what I've been doing. And the item that you have to get is a crowbar, which is classic Resident Evil bullshit, like crank handles and shit. And, but it's in a, fro <laughs> it's in a frozen hand that, that's, that's like sticking up from the ice, which has really made me laugh. And you have to prize up this crowbar from this dead, cold, dead hand of this poor person that was frozen, <laughs> frozen in this lake and then inevitably use that, I think, to open a door or something. But I just love all that old bullshit puzzle design, that really sort of ornate, bonkers puzzles and this quite quite different set piece and then back into the darkness at the end and sort of a return to what the game had been doing but yeah just thought it was quite effective isn't there an engraving in the crowbar as well or something or do they say uh, i think i think there is i think if you inspect it in your inventory it says something like i don't know philip says something like huh G Freeman. What's that about? <laughs> no way. Did it really? I, I, I think it does. I think it's something like that. Yeah. Well, there's the Half-Life fight. I didn't know. That's, well, that's a great Easter egg. I didn't, I didn't actually clock that. Fair play to them. They, they know what they're doing. That's great. Um, but yeah. And I just want to quickly mention, um, it's not the favorite thing, but I just wanted to quickly mention the levels in Requiem that I don't know if you, did you guys notice the, the sort of like little weird, uh, string of Easter eggs in like fairly quick succession to like 
uh, well, one bit is just Donkey Kong. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. There's yeah. like a bit where, you know, the flaming barrels just roll down that structure and you have to go up the ladders. That just is the original Donkey Kong from 1981. And then, like, there's another bit with, like, a blue thing. And it's just the Morph Ball from Metroid Prime. You just have to get the blue glowing sphere through all those, like, environmental things, you know, uh, with the pistons going up and down. And it's just when Samus has to, like, roll over that stuff. I just thought, oh, this, this, that puzzle's just straight. I mean, I'm not the I'm not the ball. That's the main difference. I'm sort of mm, moving yeah. the ball, but, but you know. And then yeah, at the beginning of Requiem, I just thought that was like definitely Tomb Raider because uh, it had the the um, broken block of the pillar that you have to move yes, and then yeah. jump on, like the original um, Tomb of Qualopec, I think it was. Just like a string of absolutely bonkers Easter eggs where it, it's not really Penumbra, and it's not really. I definitely totally get what Adam's saying. Like it's not the video games that we've just been playing but it is cool and it is different and this frictional these frictional people are going places <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, what about you Adam what section of the game stood out there I just want to give a quick show to like uh, pretty much I think it's like at the very end of um, Overture where like it's the first time you actually see a human figure I guess in the distance and it's like it does that whole thing of like, like at that point, no, especially up to, up to here anyway, I was like, oh, I know everything here, like what's going on and as such. And then um, you just turn into this, you go down this hallway and all of a sudden it does that class thing of like, light just like goes, all these lights are on. And at the very end, you just see this like standing figure and you're like, what is going on here? And all the lights just go bang, 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 bang off <laughs> and it goes to black. And I think it just, it's 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 a great use of wrapping around the tension, wondering where the story's going to go. What was that? Because you don't see anything like that throughout the whole first chapter. But I really like that. And then Black Plague was like, this was, I thought this was excellent. It, you basically end up uh, being back in the room at the very start of the first chapter. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was great. So you're just there and you have like, you're just, you're like, what's going on here? What's happening? But you kind of think, just oh, do I just do what I did then? Whatever, so you're like opening the chest and you're doing whatever. Hmm. Nothing's happening until you realise that there is uh, a, a picture on your wall of the exact room that you're in. <laughs> but items are just kind of all scattered around. The bottle is broken on the ground and stuff. And it's it's really good. Like that's a that's a really good use of the puzzle. And it was really kind of. I did everything to like not look up how to do it. I was just like, <laughs> oh, what's going on? And I was getting super frustrated but um i was i thought that was a really really cool moment and it showed also just like um the leap that they were after going with with black plague i felt and it was Mm -hmm. um there was a lot more moments like that throughout black plague which was quite interesting but uh that for me was the first like oh yeah that's pretty cool A, a kind of another example of how they allow you to just play in this world and it's in Black Plague again. It happens in the laboratory. Basically, you unlock a door from a computer terminal in another area. And then you go to the laboratory where you think the, the door that was previously locked is now unlocked. And you realize it's still locked because of a gas leak. It's an emergency lockdown kind of thing. So then you have to try and, you have a gas mask, so you stick that on and you're looking around trying to figure out what am I meant to do here? And 
Well, you, you go up to the pipes where there's there's a gas, where the, the gas is leaking. And I can't remember what Philip says, but he says something to the effect of, Jesus, the pipes are very rusty, aren't they? And they, they just leave, leave it at that. And uh, and, and that's why I, like, I think the game is, is very good at like nudging you without telling you outright. Because mm. right next to the pipes, there's a bin. And so, so I was like, mm, I don't know, I guess it's something to do with this then. So I grabbed the bin, fired it into the pipes, and then the pipes crumble. And they, they crumble enough to create room to create a new secure connection in the pipes because there's a bit of piping in the corner. You grab that, you attach it, and it, yeah, kind of sort, sorts it all out. So I just, uh, I enjoy how it... It gives you enough direction without kind of outright telling you or having things pop up on screen or having a character go, huh, maybe I should do that. Like, you know, last year, I'm thinking of God of War from last year mm-hmm. or, or Horizon <clears throat> where, you know, like new games and the characters are just rabbiting on all the time. They don't, they don't trust the player at all to try and figure this out. Yeah, they, they, they want you to keep moving. Mm. So quickly, they'll go, like, this is how you solve it. Whereas in Penumbra, it, it doesn't do that. And I, I will, because I think you said something earlier, Adam. I will say, like, there are definitely a couple of occasions where you are like, ooh, I'm pretty stuck now. <laughs> <laughs> like, holy God. I, 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 would, I wouldn't mind it if somebody said something. But I, <laughs> yeah. I think for the, for the most part, they say enough. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of a, a scenario that stands out to me that where, yeah, where they say enough, basically. So let's take another quick break as we discussed the most noteworthy section and the boom, boom. And we'll come back right after this and we will discuss the story of Penumbra and anything else that we would like to add on top. So, yeah, take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. <laughs> So the story of Penumbra, I was going to say Overture, Black Plague and Requiem, but it's like mostly Overture and Black Plague, really. Yeah, pretty much. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the mystery and unravelling said mystery. My main complaint is I just wish they didn't overcomplicate it. Mm. Because I, I think in general, the narrative has, it has enough intrigue to keep to keep pushing you along and for you to uh, want to know what's actually happening like and it's all told well well it's not all told I shouldn't say that but like a lot of it is told by through notes that you pick up and you unlock an area and you kind of you know see um uh, the environmental storytelling that's happening here so like at first there was I was genuinely very intrigued and about like the mystery of what brought the protagonist's dad to this weird research facility. But there's a section in Black Plague that stands out to me where you come across a projector and when you turn on the projector, a timeline of events pops up on a wall, right? I don't know if either of you Mm -hmm. found this. Yeah. It was kind of at this point where it's like, oh, this kind of illustrates how confused, I don't even want to say, but like how confusing this can be at mm-hmm. times. Because in the, the, the slide that you see after you turn on the projector, there's about 20 or so bullet points. And each bullet point has 
you know, it'll have something inconsequential or it'll have something pretty big like World War II begins. And I think the, it, it, it's so comprehensive that it's uh, confusing. Do you get what I mean? Like it's, it's, <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. it's, not, it's not as focused as it, as it could be. Mm. And like, just let me say that this occurs in the episode of Penumbra that I also think is the, the most enjoyable of the three in all the other ways that we have discussed and also narratively. Because like Requiem is nothing, Overture is the setup, but Black Plague is the meatiest. It's, it's where you learn about the the archaic, the group investigating the virus. Mm. It's where you learn a lot more about the virus itself, its name, Turngate. It's where you meet the very chipper Amabel Swanson who tries to help you. She's so chipper that you think she's being insincere and then you learn, oh no, she's just nice. <laughs> um, and the cherry on top being you meeting Clarence. And I, I, I want to talk about Clarence later, so I'm going to give him his own little section. But I'm saying all this to make sure that I communicate that I, I, I liked quite a lot of what Penumbra, and specifically Black Plague, was doing with its story. Mm. It introduced more levity and just kind of variation, not just as you even said, Adam, in its location uh, and, and, and I suppose in its, uh, just in the game in general, but just it introduced more variation in its tone as well. Parts of it feel very portly. Like we've mentioned portal a couple mm. of times. Mm. And I have one clip of a voice that in the game, you sometimes hear this voice when you watch a video at a computer ter- terminal or they'll play over the speakers as well. And I mean, this is ripped straight from Portal. Just have a listen to this. Chef Carlito is waiting for you in the mess hall with insert today's specials here. A happy worker is an efficient worker and only efficient workers will be fed. It's a nice kind of a, a, a difference in the tone, I guess. And again, like that that levity, that sort of safety that you feel in the areas where you aren't, you know, being chased by in Black Plague, the naked zombies and all that. Mm. It's just not focused enough for me. I totally agree with what you're saying. Uh, I think from the word go, I was definitely, definitely interested in where it was going. There's always a part of these games, whether you're kind of, as, as you're progressing, you're kind of going, when, when's, when's the virus or the disease going to come into play? Like, that's just, I think it's a, it's a given in, in the scene. Like, but I felt like all... All the, the, like, the diary I was reading about the other miners and stuff, like, was, it was weird enough to keep me going on it, like, you know, to keep me entertained. Like, their whole talk about, like, I don't know, eating spiders and how it was all really nice yeah. and blah, 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 blah. Like, that was really <laughs> weird and just, like, super dark, but, like, a, a part of the story that, like, maybe it's, it's it's very it, it it is quite small, but they do go quite a bit into it, you know, like how there's <laughs> there's no more spiders appearing now at the moment, and blah 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 blah, and it's it's a dark twist. But then, as you were saying, Colm, like it just does doesn't stay fully focused. It needs to almost kind of keep you wondering, like it doesn't want to let you know straight away. You have to go right to the end to kind of make it kind of all right, cool. And it does. I wouldn't say like I don't think the whole like. The ending is like, the ending is batshit. It, it really is. But I think it's more batshit <laughs> from, from the visual standpoint, really. And like mm. where you end up. That's just like, whoa, what's going on here? But like, it, it, it's, an, it's an interesting story. And I, don't, I think it's probably the strongest aspect for me 
of the whole whole game. Um, but like, yeah, it definitely gets convoluted. I think you quite enjoyed it too, Josh, up until the ending. And like Adam made reference to it, if you want to flesh out what what that ending actually <laughs> is, yeah. I guess. Well, I think also like I I, I just say as well, like I, I'm similar to you guys. Like I did enjoy it um, early. Um, although I did find <clears throat> some of the stuff that was going on uh, just with uh, the way that read in, in Overture, you have like a um, sort of Bioshock vibes, I guess, as well. Like, you know, the sort of the person talking in your in your ear. <laughs> but Red was funny because the voice actor um, that that plays red i don't know what direct <laughs> the direction i think is just you know ham it up and and chew up the scenery and do it how you'd like to do it um, it must have been because i think he had a good time <laughs> doing it but some mm-hmm. of the lines are really really funny i remember at one point he says uh something like my memory is like something with a great many small holes and i was like just say Swiss cheese or just say a sieve or a, cu- or a colander. Like you just, it's just so particularly funny and, and sort of strange. I just thought, oh, fine. That really made me laugh. And also he delivered it in a really funny, he's got a funny little voice, the person that he's sort of this doddery kind of, you know, um, he's going mad, I suppose, in his, in his, in his solitude. <laughs> because we're talking about red, I do have a, have a little clip here. Here's a little bit of red from Penumbra Overture. Those holes in my mind are increasingly gaping. You cannot breach the inner sanctum of the place of storing. The entryway is blocked. So what if the squashy material between my ears is squashier than most? I may not be perfect like a hanging picture, but my words are wise and backed up by time. A pox! A pox on both your brain cells! Try as I may, you must think that I deceive you with my admittingly cunning ways. As far as my eye has seen, our rocky grave extends, and yet you cast away my hope like you would a puppy, freshly ruled in its own feces. I hope that your warped sense of morality is better company than I, because now it is all you have left. I think that was what you were referencing, Josh, was it? I think it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's cool. We didn't plan that, by the way, just so the listeners are aware. That was, that was like, I think, the exact bit I was talking about, yeah. Um... Yeah, it it made me laugh. It's got that nice pulpy. Uh, there's no genre quite like horror that can withstand um, a meager budget. It's wonderful stuff. Um, and I, <clears throat> but it, but it did lose me. It, it, there was a certain. Um, I mean, the, yeah, you're right. The, you know, the very end where you actually find out that. There's this superior uh, alien god being who's been here for five hundred odd billion years, or maybe predates God, and you, 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 it's the source of what the um, archaic institute, what what they called again, the I, yeah, the archaic something cast, something cast. Uh, yeah, either way, you sort of find out the the root of everything is this alien god who thinks that, um, you sort of like. It's a classic little turn where he's like, I've seen, I've witnessed you humans. I've been around for a long time and you're all right when you're on your, actually, do you know what? It's kind of a bold premise. I, I did enjoy the underlying message, which was just, you're all right when you're on your own, but you lot are bloody dangerous when you get into groups, which is quite, just quite nice actually, because so often the kind of 
the 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 medicine, the warm cuddle at the end of a of, of a horror movie or a, you know whatever is always just unity, isn't it? It's oh, fa- family's good. Be nice to each other. Don't don't go nutty. And you know, but but this game is kind of a kind of a bold takeaway. It's just like you're better on your own to isolate yourself because humans are reasonable. <laughs> they're on their own. Community's <laughs> bad. Organization's bad. Like just, uh, but but yeah, I mean it's the same with everything. It's the same with amnesia. It was the same. Um, with a lot of the Lovecraft stuff, it's just, it's a lot better earlier on when there's a central mystery. Cause the thing is at, at, at the end of the mystery, we all know there's a big octopus God that, you know, coming yeah. from the cosmos. Mm-hmm. And when we start to see the octopus God, it's like, Oh, well, all right, that's daft. But before that, when we were just looking at the, you know, the way that thing was influencing events and, and, and crucially the effect that it had on the characters, that's when it's at its best. And for the first few hours, certainly of Overture. And then weirdly, actually, I thought Black Plague actually got some of it back, even though you already knew a lot of stuff and Black Plague was the one where the pennies drop. But uh, yeah, the, the less you know, the better the atmosphere and the more focused it was on the characters. Um, <laughs> I was really shocked when uh, when Amabel bit the dust. I don't know about you guys. Did did, 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 did that, that, that really surprised me? I didn't see it coming. That was wild. Yeah, that would be more of a Clarence thing, I suppose. Mm. Like Clarence for me is the boy. Column, I actually have to quickly say, right, when I had 20 minutes of Clarence, right, I, I immediately went to my head. Colin Horn is going to love this man. <laughs> I enjoy a charismatic baddie. I just, it's, I'm hook, line and sinker on that stuff. But yeah. basically it's from quite early on in Black Plague. It's, I think I said it earlier, it's, it's uh, revealed that you've become infected with the virus. And yeah, the infection is a talkative part of the Turngate hive mind that turns out to be called Clarence, or they give themselves the name Clarence. And initially, they're very salty with the protagonist. They manipulate the world around you from time to time. They, they have enemies, like imaginary enemies pop in, and they'll move doors within the scenario, and then they'll laugh about it. Uh, I, th- I think when he starts messing with the world, when Clarence starts messing with the world, he starts calling Philip his little monkey, and I don't hmm. think it's an affectionate nickname. <laughs> but then as, as the game progresses, then Clarence changes his tune and he begins to try and chat to Philip more calmly. He talks about how the two minds, both Philip and Clarence, how, how they could potentially share the body. But then ultimately it all ends poorly for Clarence when you, as the player, cure yourself of the virus. And then that pushes Clarence out of your mind. But Clarence jumps into a nearby Turngate infected zombie man and then Clarence gives chase but then a whole load of Turngate just turn up and kill Clarence they batter him they they just say yeah like there cannot be one there can only be all of us Um, (laughs) so it's like Clarence has basically become an individual and that doesn't fly with the hive Mm. mind but I I just wanted to give massive applause to I looked him up Robert Pike Daniel is the actor behind Clarence and I think the obvious character to compare him to is Red from Overture. Yeah. But I just think Clarence is a real cut above. He, uh, remind, it reminds me a lot because I know these, these, the guys, the people at Frictional definitely, uh, like Half-Life and definitely like Bioshock and all that. But Clarence reminded me so much of the darkness and I fucking love the darkness so much. Do you guys remember 2007, yeah, yeah. right? So I wonder, I just wonder if that was an, because that thing would also, in fact, 
actually, was it Mike Patton that voiced yeah, the Dalek? Yeah, Mike Patton did the voice, yeah. I think, and I might be mistaken here, but I think the darkness also refers to humans as monkeys. So I actually Does think it? that might okay. be like an Easter egg reference. I don't, don't quote me on that though. I will investigate that. You know, the listeners will com- complain at me if I've got that wrong, but I think that might be a thing. I do have one clip and you made reference to it earlier, Josh. This is the section of the game where Clarence tricks you into killing your only ally, which is Dr. Amabel Swanson. He basically, you walk into a room and there is a zombie in front of you. The zombie gives chase and you have to press a button or pull a lever. I can't remember. And that drops a crate onto her head. And then as soon as that happens, Clarence, um, you know, pulls back the curtain essentially and shows you, uh, your the real vision of 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 your environment, and that reveals that you have killed an innocent woman. So this is the this is Clarence's dialogue after that takes place, and I think it's fantastic. So have a listen to this. Hey, hey, hey good work, buddy. Give yourself a slap on the back with a crowbar, why don't you? Oh, uh, one thing before you get too overwhelmed with glee. I know murder can be a lot of fun, but. Uh, didn't you quite like that broad? Hey, I think that's a piece of her skull on your shoe. Wait, don't tell me you really thought. I thought you knew I was pulling your leg. Oh, my best laid plans and all that. This, this is just terrible. You silly Billy. Come on, monkey. Take a joke. That's fantastic. That's, that is great stuff. That's really, yeah, yeah. it's really good. It's, it's kind of, it, it's so, it's, it's insane that it's of that kind of quality. Like he is such an unbelievable highlight throughout the game. Like, like it's worth just playing it just to hear everything that he's doing. And um, there's, a, there's also a great, great little line that he does where I was, I mentioned before that like you, you in Black Plague, you spend a bit of time going on like computers and stuff around the place for like codes and all this kind of stuff. And it gets to one one stage where I went on one and he just came in and goes, boring, where are all the games? All this kind of stuff. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's those kind of things. And he's like, he talks about like uh, movies and stuff that Philip has seen and all this kind of thing. And mm. there's just such superb dialogue that it, it was it was honestly very unexpected to to get to this this character I was like geez like even hearing that clip just there I was like holy shit like it's so good like and I do think there's a bit of Green Goblin slash Joker like Mark Hamill Joker mm. in his tone yeah. um, and it's just it's just like you couldn't really for the character that is designed you couldn't do a better performance really for what, what it was it's it's absolutely fantastic also shout out what none of us have mentioned uh, Philip changes into an American in Black Plague and nobody talks about it yeah (laughs) I forgot to mention that I forgot about that (laughs) just a little foible I guess yeah uh, uh, the opening and the only times you hear Philip are the opening to Overture and the opening to Black Plague and uh, yeah as you say Josh for some reason completely (laughs) different man an American man and it's like what? Why? Yeah, and you know, yeah, I, yeah. I I think I think I'm going to try and Google this quickly. But I believe when I was looking it up that the the voice you hear in the first episode is the voice of the writer Tom ah. Jubert, 
but then the voice of this uh, you hear in Black Plague is a different person. And I, I don't, I'm like, why did you change it? I know, because it's not as if Tom Jubert was like bad. He was, he was just a perfectly normal. And what's funny is the character... Like they make a point that the character is an Englishman, so that's just, that that remains yeah. funny because he's like, yeah, well, he's in London and that. So <laughs> like the fact they'd go for an American is just, yeah. But I suppose he doesn't talk very much. At least once you get past the intro, you'd never know. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so yeah, that's what we thought of the story. Does anyone have anything else to add? You you kind of mentioned the. How, how tactile the game is earlier, Josh, really, didn't I did, you? I did. Thomas Grip strikes again. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I am a fan of that. It is impressive, isn't it? It's just a good physics little showcase, the fact they actually kind of made the game. Like, yeah, and it's not... You just don't get that in very many things. Real Half-Life 2 vibes. But yeah, I sort of touched on it earlier. Just big fan of uh, wooden planks and things to put wooden planks on and then jump on in games. <laughs> Let's have more wooden planks and ice lakes as well. More ice lakes. <laughs> Uh, well, I just wanted to very briefly because I, I, I mean, I feel like we've we've mentioned this already, but the uh, the fear in the I want to say first half of Overture, uh, I felt was like overwhelming. I thought it was terrifying. Um, it is, uh, but I, I totally take your point about like once you realize you can jump on a crate and the dog can't get you, but it's the kind of the fear of the dogs and how they can like mess you up until you get a pickaxe or a hammer. It's the, the, the fear of the unknown, like all that opening section before you get, get into the more kind of warehouse factory looking a bit of the, the mine. It's yeah. Like pr- proper, like really, really scary stuff. Because yeah, because you true. are so weak, mm. and uh, it's it's yeah the dogs are are very strong basically, and then you come across big man eating giant worms. Yeah, did, did you want to mention something about that, Josh? Was uh, I don't know. <laughs> that was the bit that because I I yeah, I agree like early on in in overture it, it probably wouldn't have been to the halfway mark for me, but it was at least a good hour or maybe over an hour of just like. And good sound design as well, like a classic trick that was in like Eternal Darkness, uh, where you go up to a door and something just fucking bangs on the door from the other side. Like it, yeah. it's kind of cheap, but it really works, and it scared the really. I shit myself up big time. Uh, but also, I think either I think it might be Red or one of the characters on the when they're talking to you on the sort of narration actually uses the phrase eternal darkness. And I wondered if that was a little cheeky reference to the Silicon mm. Knights game. But either way, um, yeah, bit with a big worm uh, in Overture. There's only three. There's spiders, dogs, big worms. And that bit really, really um, scared me. Pan- like proper panic. And it's the bit where there's a big fucking worm coming at you. And you have to, you have to get to a door. I don't know if you guys remember this. And but as you're going... You have to slow the slow the worm down as it's sort of coming for you. So, so like you're in the mine and you use the the pickaxe that you have to like break the the wooden support struts of the mine. And if yes. you do that, you cause a little cave in, and it sort of sl- you know it slows its pro. But like the first few times, but before I realised what the because originally I just thought it was running. I just oh if I just run quicker this time I can get to the door. It was like the first two or three times I had to retry that bit. Um, 
but it was kind of funny because in a horror game, usually when you have to retry something, it stops being scary. But that, I had to do it two or three times before I realised what I had to do. And each time it was just pure sort of white hot panic just descended and I was sort of shrieking to myself. Um, yeah, good scares. good And different kinds of scares as well. And fair play because mm-hmm. not many get... So it, it, it's rare when a game's like, I'm going to I'm gonna kill you with tension for half hour. I'm going to torture you with sound design. There's going to be some jump scares and there's going to be a nutty set piece, which is pure, like, just panic. Like, yeah, it did, did the whole horror spectrum, you know? No, definitely. So that is Penumbra Overture, Black Plague and Requiem and our thoughts on all those three, three episodes, I guess, of this game. So now I think to relax... Let's brew some tea. Every episode of Stealth Boom Boom sees me test the gaming knowledge of my co-hosts, Adam Carroll and Josh Wise, with a simple quiz I like to call Trivia Espionage Action. Brackets. Tea. The quiz consists of questions related to the game we've just discussed today. That, of course, is Penumbra, all three episodes. Each participant will be given three questions, and each question has three stages. Stage one, uh, the participant gets the question. They get no hints, and they get three points if they answer correctly here. Stage two, if they pass onto stage two, they get four multiple choice options, and if they get it correct here, they get two points. And if they pass, they move on to stage three, where those four multiple choice options are halved to two options. And the competitor gets one point if they answer correctly here. The competitor has only one chance to submit an answer. If they're incorrect, the question is offered to the other competitor. If the other competitor answers correctly, they get the points. Gentlemen, are you ready? Indeed. Excellent. Well, Josh, you get to choose, actually as you are the current champion, as winner stays on rules, would you like to go first or second? Um, I will go first, please. Josh Wise, are you ready for question one for three yes. points? Bring it on. Excellent. As mentioned earlier, before Penumbra Overture, there was a tech demo that was used to show off Frictional Games' own engine, the HPL engine. But what was that tech demo called? Oh, blimey. Um, (laughs) uh, I don't know. Please, may I have some options? You can, of course. For two points, you get the multiple choice options, and those options are... A. Penumbra. B. HPL. C. The Descent. Or D. Philip. Oh. Um... Well, HPL is like the engine. Uh, won't be <laughs> Philip. Um, just I, I'm going to go for uh, penum- just penumbra, please. Is that your final answer? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Josh quickly wrote off Philip. <laughs> oh, uh, no. Didn't take oh, much no. interest. <laughs> didn't take much interest in the descent. Mm. Uh, torn between Penumbra and HBL, you've ended up going for Penumbra. Yeah. And I can tell you, Josh, that the correct answer is for two points. Penumbra. Hey, yes. 
Congratulations. Congratulations. Excellent start. Let's see if Adam Carroll can match that. So, Adam Carroll, are you ready for your first question? Yes, I am, Colin. Bloody fantastic. (laughs) Your first question for three points is as follows. In a post-mortem published in 2009... Lead writer Tom Joubert, Joubert wrote about Amabel Swanson, the ally character from Black Plague that the player ends up killing. In the piece, Joubert says they think Amabel Swanson's death didn't land with some players because the character is, quote, X minutes of radio chatter. Tell me the value of X. Oh, Jesus. Multiple choice, please. <laughs> okay. For, uh... For two points, your multiple choice options are as follows. A, three minutes. B, six minutes. D, nine minutes. Or, or sorry, C, nine minutes. Or D, 12 minutes. For two points. Um, um, let's go for uh, B. Six minutes, please. Is that your final answer? Yes. Okay. After mulling it over for a short period of time, you've gone for B, six minutes. And I can tell you, Adam Carroll, that B, six minutes is the correct answer. All right. Well done. For for two points. So it's a a 2-2 draw currently. Uh, the the quote actually from the writer uh, was uh, despite her pivotal position her total airtime is around six minutes in an eight hour game in my mind she's this huge character with this massive fleshed out personality in the game she's six minutes of radio chatter as a result I don't think I communicated the key points of her identity in enough detail allowing those slightly mixed impressions room to breathe well I think he's wrong because I thought Amabel was good so, yeah. you know, ungrateful players. There you go. <laughs> uh, Josh Wise, are you ready for your second question? Yes, please. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> for three points. In a 2009 interview uh, with the Dead Pixel Post blog, Frictional Games' Thomas Grip and Jens Nielsen said Requiem was initially discussed as an expansion with, quote, less budget and development than a full game. They had two ideas for what this could be. One was what it became, a more puzzle-focused game. What was the other idea? And I will say, if you want to go here, you can, and I'll be kind of generous with what you, you know... I'll be generous with what you say if you'd like to go here although I have a feeling you're going to want to go for multiple choice I kind of want to go nuts and <laughs> I want to push the explode button I'm going to just take a punt here um, oh my god <laughs> I'm going to go crazy uh, I'm going to guess that he was being jovial uh, two ideas for what it could be one was what it became uh, is it like is it just like a shooter, like a like a, like a first-person shooter, like an action game? I'm gonna have that as my as my answer. It sounds is really that your, silly. Is that your final answer? Uh, I th- yeah, I think I think this is bonkers, but I think he might just sort of be being flippant and jovial. But who knows? Yes, that is my final answer. Yeah, like an action shooter 
thing, yeah. Josh Wise, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I, ad- I admire your game playing here today. It's fascinating to watch, and I, I, I like it. You've, you've lit the match and thrown it on the petrol and said, let's see, let's roll, let's see what happens. You've said that, yeah, the other idea for Penumbra Requiem was a first-person shooter. Josh Wise, I can tell you that that is incorrect. Oh, Ooh. no. I took a risk. I took a big old risk. They weren't Fair being f- flippant. <laughs> uh, oh. No. That's passed over. Adam Carroll, do you have an idea? And I will say... As we do, like when we pass it over, you can't go to multiple choice. You have to take. Oh it yes, here. I know that. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so if if you have this, is the first. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, yeah, it actually is. Yeah. Um, I am going to say that the other idea. This sounds probably a bit too mad, but <laughs> I feel were they going to produce a kind of a story? where you played one of those naked alien things at the end that was there. And it's from their point of view of what they see humans to be like and stuff like that. Something on that lines, because of it being so short, they wouldn't go full belt. So it might be a mad risk to take. Is that, all, is that is that your final answer? All those words in that order? <laughs> yes, pretty much. That's a big answer. That's a big answer. It is. That is a big answer. <laughs> Basically, you play one of those things at the end. A turngate fella. A turngate yeah. infected character. Yeah. To see how it all happened. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say incorrect. Oh, okay. This sounds controversial. This. Right. Now Jesus, it might sorry. be co- it might be controversial. I don't know, but the correct answer was <laughs> I, I kind of needed a bit more from you, I suppose. But it Ooh, was I gave you it, a load of words. Th- you did give me a lot of words. Thank you very much for those words. They were very good words, and I enjoyed them. But the the words I was looking for was uh, they were the other idea was to reuse levels from uh-huh. Black Plague, but you would play as a different character. And that's why I'm. Huh. You you were almost too specific. <laughs> uh, not necessarily a turn gate alien uh, character, yeah. just like another. Yeah. Okay. All right. And Fair I much. I so I don't know if it was a turn gate character. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But oh. I I, appre- I appreciate your answer. I appreciate your answer. All right. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you have a chance to get more points on the board here, Adam Carroll. Are you ready for your second question? I am. Oh, yes. Brilliant. (laughs) Adam Carroll, for three points, your second question is as follows. Philip Buchanan, the protagonist of the Penumbra series, isn't your regular video game hero. In fact, before he headed for Greenland and ends up in that abandoned mine in Penumbra Overture, he had a regular job. What was that job? Um... Oh Jesus! Oh yeah! <laughs> oh, um, take a crazy punt on it. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go straight forward. I can't. Um, was he a teacher? A teacher? Um, <laughs> what subject? Oh Jesus! Uh, or I'm gonna say just a teacher. Would that be accepted if I say a teacher? 
If it is a teacher, do I have to give some sort of other thing and be very specific well, once like again? Like an English teacher. Yeah, maybe uh, you just go I, teacher. I, I, would <laughs> ask, oh, I would ask for specificity. Okay, English teacher. I'll go for the English oh, teacher, bulls. please. If that's the right one, I'm gonna be. I'm not. I won't be best pleased. <laughs> is is that your final answer? <laughs> yeah. Again, incredible game ah. playing here today. This is fantastic. I'm thoroughly enjoying it. <laughs> so yeah, Adam, you were asked what was Philip Buchanan's job prior to the beginning of uh, Penumbra Overture. You said teacher. I got you to narrow it down to English teacher. And I can tell you that English teacher is, for three points, incorrect. Ah, for... I apologise. Mm. The question is passed over to Josh Wise. I think it's not... Um, I, I, I'm, ne- I'm never going to remember it, but I sort of... Is he, like, a scientist? Is that... Is he a scientist? Is that too vague? Is he a, like a lab worker or something? Is lab worker your <laughs> okay, final I'll, answer? I'll just say, okay, scientist. Is he, is he a scientist? Is scientist your final answer? <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah, sure, yes. <laughs> Again... There may be a steward's inquiry into this edition of tea, but I am going to say that's incorrect. Oh, damn! I thought it was. I thought that was. I thought he was a scientist. I think if the two of you came together, then <gasps> I, because no. he was he was a <laughs> physics professor at university. Oh, so I I think scientist. Is uh, it was lacking the education part of it for me, um, and obviously you know teacher I needed because your multiple choice would have yeah. basically been different different uh, subjects. Oh yeah, right. Oh, damn. Yeah, okay. fair enough. So, yeah, fair unlucky enough. lads. Unlucky. Uh, <laughs> Josh Wise, close, are you are you ready for your third and final question? Oh yeah, yeah. Go on, bring it on. Your third and final question is as follows. <laughs> In Penumbra, you occasionally hear unintelligible, creepy whispering. According to what I found on the internet, so I hope it's true, but if, even if it's not, it's still good Jesus. fun. These are Swedish phrases that are played backwards. One of them says something very specific. <laughs> Tell me that phrase. <laughs> That's outrageous. <laughs> That's outrageous. Uh, uh, well, I can't. <laughs> can I have the options, please? Uh, you can't. You're not going to take a punt for three. I uh, <laughs> not not this time. Imagine if you went okay. for it and you got it. Okay, so your uh, your multiple choice options are as follows: A. It is a very nice looking game. Have you ever played such a game? B. It's spooky, isn't it? But don't worry, it's just a computer game. C. Stay quiet, don't be seen, then you'll be safe. Or D. I just can't get you out of my head, boy. Your loving is all I think about. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Stay quiet, don't be seen. Uh, <clears throat> um, for two points. Okay, all right, all right. 
Hey, please. It's a very nice looking game. Have you ever played such a game? Is that your final answer? Yes. Okay. So, yeah, a tricky one, no doubt. Decided to not take a punt for three yeah. points and yeah. I think that's that's very fair <laughs> when when given the multiple choice options for two points you've gone for A it is a very nice looking game have you ever played such a game and Josh Wise I can tell you that that is the correct answer oh yes Aww. well done Thank well you. done <laughs> uh, <laughs> so a 4-2 lead going into your final question Adam Carroll you can you can win it. Oh my god! Imagine if you went for a punt here. This, you did this, me this, four. Oh this could be incredible audio. <laughs> Adam Carroll, are you ready for your final question? I can't wait. Excellent. <laughs> Adam, your final question is as follows: As revealed by Clarence in Penumbra Black Plague, Philip has only watched the first half of a particular Christmas movie. Name that Christmas movie. Yes, yes, oh, that yes, is... yes, no. yes. I will take a guess that that movie is called It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, Here we are. My life is complete. I'm absolutely. Oh, yes. Why did I go first? If, oh, is, if I had that one. Is that your final answer? No. It's my final answer. Adam Carroll taking a punt there for three points. What Christmas film has Philip only seen half of you said? It's a Wonderful Life. And I can tell you that It's a Wonderful Life is the correct answer. Oh, man. Yes. Adam Carroll with the 5-4 victory. How does it feel, Adam? How how does it feel to be... (laughs) On the mountaintop. That's massive. I've waited for this moment all my life. (laughs) Holy moly. Incredible effort and an incredible game played so well uh, by both of you. Congratulations, lads. That was fantastic. Um, But yeah, that's enough tea for one week. We'll be back next or in two weeks' time to see if Adam can defend his crown. It's time now for us to give our final verdict on Penumbra. Ooh, I'm Clarence. <laughs> I was going to say you've gone full Clarence. So yes, this is the part of the podcast where we indeed do give our verdict on Penumbra, where we summarise our thoughts on the game and we bestow an honour or a dishonour upon Penumbra. But before that, I have a couple of quotes from reviews at the time of the three individual games of Penumbra. So a couple from Overture, a couple from uh, a couple of Black Plague reviews and one Requiem review. So uh, a Penumbra Overture review I have here, reviewed by Tom Ari of Videogamer.com. And Ari gave it six out of ten. And said, quote, available for less than £10 online, the many great physics-based puzzles and unrelenting feeling of fear are well worth the asking price, but don't expect a game that will compete with multi-million pound projects. Another review for Penumbra Overture from Alec Meir. 
at uh, Eurogamer gave it 7 out of 10 and said, quote, if you're interested in a serious relationship with gaming rather than purely out for a good time, please do take a look at Penumbra. Anthony Gallegos of 1up.com reviewed Penumbra Black Plague, gave it A- and said, quote, Black Plague combines puzzles and horror to, to create a game that is probably unlike anything you've played. It's a little bit like a brain training game, only between lessons you fray your nerves in a good way as you jump and pause at every little noise. Anthony Birch and Colette Bennett reviewed it, uh, review Black Plague for Destructoid, giving it 7.75 out of 10. And a quote in their review is, it alternately shocks and entertains without resorting to the boring, repetitive combat we usually associate with survival horror. Black Plague is nowhere near perfect, but it still deserves to be played. And finally, a review from Charles Agnette of IGN. They reviewed Penumbra Requiem, gave it 7.5 out of 10 and said, as an end to Frictional's Penumbra series, Requiem leaves something to be desired. While its puzzle and gameplay structure remains entertaining and satisfying, the expansion removes a few major elements of what made Overture and Black Plague so appealing. But lads, I don't even know why I bother. I don't even know why I waste your time, my time, our listeners' time. Because when I read out those reviews, I'm obviously going to say, those opinions don't matter. They mm. don't matter. The only Fuck opinions em. that matter is Josh's, his Adams, and his columns. It's Stealth Boom Boom's opinions that matter. Mm. Because what we're going to do now, as I said, is summarise our thoughts on Penumbra and bestow it with a sort of a, a seal of approval or disapproval. We give it a rating. And that rating can be one of three things. It can be a pass, which basically means, we, you know, don't play it. It's not <laughs> worth your time for whatever reason. A play where, yeah, it is worth your time for whatever reason. Or an espionage explosion, where it's like this thing is, you know, it might not be perfect, but we think th- this gets the highest of recommendations from us. So is there anyone here that would, would, like, to, would like to start and has like knows straight away. I know what I'm giving this. I can yeah chat away. Adam, Joshy, either of you? I reckon Adam knows. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm fairly. I'm fairly. It's a hard call. It's a hard call for this type of game. I know. <laughs> I I know what the way it was about it, but you know, like there are elements like. Okay, so like the portal parts, not the portal infants, I guess, of this game. Like, I when I got to that, and I was kind of like, all right, okay, cool. Like, Colin, I could definitely see why you were liking that, because you kind of enjoy that kind of aspect of these types of games. And I just get, as I said, infuriated. I don't have much patience on those things, but okay, whatever. Then you got the horror side that's creeping in and out. And a lot of people are going to enjoy that type of game, and that's all cool. Then you have the likes of Clarence being an amazing character and one that you just want to, that everyone should re- would enjoy no matter what. But like, overall, as I said, 2023 eyes, never heard about this game until now. <laughs> I didn't really have a good time. Now, for me, I'm going to say it's a pass. I just, it's, it's not, it's not my... Not my type of game, I think, as of right now. I can see where it was going, what it was doing. And maybe back then I would have... Uh, I would have been more impressed mm. in what it was going for. But 
yeah, for the for the first time ever, no, it's just no, it 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 didn't do a whole lot for me. And um, but like as I said, it's just it's just a hard one to recommend because there's mm. so many different elements going on. But yeah, for me, pass. What about you, Josh? Pass, play, espionage, explosion. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to go for pass as well. Um, just because I think it does. Um, I think it's a really important game. And I think it's really interesting. I think if you like, certainly if you like frictional stuff, if you've played Soma, if you've played Amnesia, or if you're a fan of the horror genre, things like Outlast, Alien Isolation, or the way that Resident Evil is going now, then you owe it to yourself to to to, to play this game. But my thing is... This isn't a horror podcast. If it was a horror podcast, I'd go, yeah, play. It's really important to that genre. It's a stealth podcast. And the thing is, we've had Light and Shadow before. We've had it in first person before in Light Thief. They did it again in Splinter Cell. The only new thing it does is put that stealth in a horror context. So I guess, yeah, again, not a horror podcast. I think as far as stealth games go... uh, I would, I would say, yeah, I'd say it's a pass. Doesn't it does nothing that Thief didn't do a decade before? I think for me, there were points in this where I was willing it to become an espionage explosion. I really wanted it to because I was enjoying parts of it so much. But I ended up on a play for mm-hmm. for the reasons that you said, Josh. For the sort of like the kind of the trend setting sort of stealth horror elements of it that have become popularized I guess ever since Mm -hmm. but in comparison to say the last game we looked at which was Tenshu like in this I it it didn't it didn't play like an an, oh I I wasn't wrestling with the game in order to get enjoyment out of it it's Mm -hmm. not perfect and uh, you know it's certainly not perfect but I I think it is definitely worth people's time. And I would say people who would play it that aren't called Adam Carroll would enjoy it. And, <laughs> you know, for a couple of quid, uh, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's, it's a play for me. It was just, there were just points where, like, and I made reference to it, like the story and stuff and how it uh, kind of deviated from the, the focus and it kind of got a bit lost and obviously the silly ending of it. And, and, and I, sure. I've spoken about my, my issues with, even though I enjoyed the puzzles, like Requiem is just uh, too much of a good thing. Mm. But yeah, overall play that is Penumbra overture, uh, black plague and Requiem done and dusted. And I'm glad I never have to, uh, I think I've gone through the entire podcast not calling it Penumbra Black Flag, which is what I have wanted to do <laughs> for the last two hours. Um, but yeah, let's put that one to bed because now we need to turn our attention to the next game we're going to be playing and talking about because on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom, we're going to be talking about a game that had Edwin Evans Thirlwell of Eurogamer saying, quote, it is not always great fun to play, but it is always worth pondering. Rich Meister of Destructoid said it, quote, is a gorgeous fun adventure that can occasionally be bogged down by frustrating and repetitive mechanics. And Mike Suski of GameCritics.com said, quote, while there's no question that the game has issues, what kept me interested was the bizarre and ambitious blend of stealth exploration and good old fashioned role playing. 
We're going back to 2018 for the next game. And it's also a game where you play as a mouse. Because on the next edition of Stealth Boom Boom, we're going to be discussing Ghost of a Tale. First things first, has anyone ever played Ghost of a Tale before? Nope, never. Nope. In fact, I don't even know if I had heard of it, so I'm excited. Terrific. I've never played it before either, so yeah, we're all going in uh, completely blind. So Three let- blind mice. <laughs> yes, indeed. Wee. Very good. Uh, so yeah, we need to go off and play Ghost of a Tale, and if you want to play along at home as well, you can go off and play it too. But now it's time to start bidding the listener adieu, I guess. Thank you very much, dear listener, for listening to this edition of Stealth Boom Boom. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, you can do so uh, via all of your podcatching apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. Just search for Stealth Boom Boom and you'll find us there. You can also follow us on social media, depending on what social media still exists by the time this episode goes out. Just search for us on there, uh, Stealth Boom Boom, and you will probably find us there. And you can also follow each of us on social media. I am at Colum underscore Ahern. Adam is at Adam Zokes, and Josh is at Joshy Wise. So now it's time for my least favourite part of the show. This is the part of the show where we must bid the listener adieu. So say goodbye, Adam Carroll. Goodbye, everyone. Say goodbye, Josh Wise. Bye. And say goodbye, Colin Ahern, Sloan, Guffo. Oh, 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 o